What's happening, everyone? Welcome to the Paranormals. I'm Johnny Monoxide, and tonight, I, you know what, everybody, nobody gets one, everybody's with us tonight. It's Dogbot, Reinhardt, and Jack. We have a very, very, very special guest. What's up, guys? Real quick, make it fast. Uh, hey, what's going on? My chupacabras uh, think Sandy Hook was fake. Yeah, apparently one of them made it out into my hometown, and uh, I am back from the dead. And I suppose we didn't go to the moon either, I guess, right? All of those things are true, and every single one of them is sitting here listening to this. We're all ready for our one very, 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 very special guest. Returning for his third time, one Mr. Dr. Jim Fetzer. Hang on, everybody, because here we go. All right. Well, welcome back to the show, Dr. Fetzer. My great pleasure. Last time we spoke, we had a few different guys on the show. Uh, this this round we have one Mr. Reinhard von Krieger. Let's say hello to him, sir. Hey, how's it going? Uh, very glad to have you on, Dr. Fetzer. Greetings. Pleased to make your acquaintance. And, you as well. And also our resident uh, Gen X music expert, Dogbot. Hello, sir. I just uh, I just received your PDF of your Sandy Hook book that was banned, and I can't wait to print it up at work oh, when there's terrific. nobody there. Terrific. I'm gonna print I'm gonna print it up and put it in a binder in case uh, Google Drive decides to make it disappear. Yes, 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 yes. That's what. Well, yeah. I'm still in the, I'm still in the midst of the lawsuit that was designed to ban the book. I mean, I have no doubt about it, based on a couple of disputed sentences. Uh, it, you know, it, it's been dragged out. I, I was given a short shift in the circuit court. I wasn't allowed to present a defense. They never found me negligent of anything. Nevertheless, a, a jury, uh, you know, damage trial awarded $450,000. The prosecution was claiming that this woman, Lucy Richards, who had called this fellow, Lenny Posner, who poses as the father of a child who died at Sandy Hook, had been somehow inspired by me. I mean, there's no reason to believe she'd ever even read my book, much less that there should be any causal chain here between somebody reading a book and taking some action such as she did. But her obscenity-laced phone calls to him were played during my trial and the the plaintiffs implied that I was somehow responsible. I mean, the whole case is ridiculous. I appealed to the appellate court, and they they answered by presuming the official narrative of Sandy Hook, which incidentally has never been established in any court of law. It is not a judicial fact. And yet they began their response to my appeal with a statement that was just a bald-faced summary of what you'd read in the mainstream media, citing two cases as though they affected the Sandy Hook finding, which never they never reached. And of course, I wasn't allowed to present the massive evidence in the book, which includes, I mean, uh, you know, the, all the evidence we had, the school was closed by 2008. It was loaded with asbestos and other biohazards, damaged by a hurricane. Turned out I didn't know it then, but there was even a flood in the area in 2007. So they abandoned the school. There were no students there, but they used it as the stage for a, a FEMA exercise. It was technically a mass casualty drill involving children, which was then presented as mass murder to promote the Obama 
administration's gun control agenda and where we even have a manual for the FEMA exercise, which I included as Appendix A, I also tossed in, though this is a conclusory on the part of the FBI, namely that their consolidated crime report for 2012 showed at the intersection of Newtown, of which Sandy Hook is a subdivision, and homicides or non-negligent uh, killings, zero. And of course, if there were zero in Newtown, there were zero in Sandy Hook. I also include there, you'll find a, a dispatch of the official report by Dansbury State's attorney, Stephen Sedensky III, who claimed, you know, uh, that there had been 489 students there. If you subtract 20, that meant 469 who had to be evacuation, evacuated, but there was no evacuation. In fact, the only route in or out, Dickinson Drive, was so jammed up, you couldn't have got an emergency vehicle through there if you wanted to. Although the police, the Connecticut State Police, claimed that evacuation was taking place at specific locations and times. We have dash cam footage for those locations and times, and guess what? Hmm. Nothing is going on there. You know, we're told you can't prove a negative, but you can prove the negative. There's no elephant in your living room by going to your living room and looking for signs of the presence of elephant. Finding none, you're entitled to conclude that's because there's no elephant there. If you go to the location where, according to the state police, an evacuation was taking place, but you find no signs of an evacuation taking place, you're entitled to infer that's because there was no evacuation taking place. So I'm now at the level of petitioning to the Supreme Court of Wisconsin, and they had, there was a game that was played uh, alleging that my petition was submitted late when I had 30 days from the day it, the, uh, the final denial by the appellate court of my request for them to reconsider, which was on the 7th of April. We submitted on the 7th of May, and there are those who are saying they're very relieved to discover the Wisconsin Supreme Court can count 30 days between 7 April and 7 May because now they've reversed themselves and accepted, but it's not formally on the docket yet. So there are some who are concerned that they're going to play more games. But it's outrageous. They really do not want this case to go before uh, you know, a body that might actually rule on the basis of the evidence and the law, because this is such an enormous event, such a huge hoax on the American people. There are many who believe uh, you know, credit all, the government would lose all credibility, as indeed it deserves to lose all credibility. Yeah. Well, this government, as it is, now you're talking about the United States government in general, uh, has a credibility issue. Um, there's something I want to ask you later on about the government. Uh, Jack, remind me. That's the last point, remember, in, the, in our notes. Um, I guess we were, yeah, I was worried about asking you about the lawsuit because I wasn't sure, you know, if it was <laughs> over or whatever. He just come right out with it. Um, yeah, it's absolutely, okay, so yeah. my take on this we're is. Angels, we're angels fear to tread. All right. Um, oh, yeah, Johnny, that was one thing that we were, we were talking about was, uh, you know, we're, Jim, where you've been the last couple of years? Yeah, um, there it is. What you've been dealing with? Because it's oh. been what 2017 since uh, since you were on the show on the bottle of red pills episode. Well, I'm glad to be back. Yeah, yes, it, 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 not soon enough, but I'm delighted. I mean, you know, oh man, we so much, so much has transpired, including this massive theft of the election and uh, yep. the, the phony phony inauguration, which was pre-recorded. 
Yep. Uh, you know, there, there's so much happening, so much denial. I mean, look, the Democrats spent four years insisting that Donald Trump had not been legitimately elected. And yet, if you raise any questions about Biden, where the evidence is overwhelming, whereas in the case of Trump, it was non-existent, you find their uh, attitude is precisely the opposite. They don't want anyone questioning this sham administration where this guy is so utterly incompetent. He's become a joke in the eyes of the world. No one takes Joe Biden seriously. Even have You even have this... Uh, pathetic mediocrity, Kamala Harris, and talking with foreign leaders. I mean, that's insulting on its face. Yeah, that's that's really bad. Actually, I was, well, I was going to save President Deepfake for the end, but um, how much of Joe Biden, the, this thing is uh, just like other maybe body doubles, or how much of it is deepfakes, do you think? How much of it is, at, or like younger guys in masks or something? Well... It, it's very curious. I was perhaps the first, uh, along with James Wood, the actor, to call out the participant in the debates with Trump as a body double because, as James Woods observed, he had uh, blue eyes for Biden or brown eyes, whereas Biden has blue. I called out that their ears were not the same. Uh, Joe Biden's ears curl up, uh, and so he has what are known as pendant ears. The ear here goes right down into the skin. This guy has a narrower cranium. Joe Biden had a rounder. Uh, there are lots of other indications. Uh, Joe Biden wore a double Windsor. This guy a single Windsor in terms of how he tied his tie. Mm -hmm. Since he's been in office, a pharmacist who's familiar with verifying signatures has observed his signature is completely different than that of the Joe Biden who was a senator from Delaware. He also began signing uh, left-handed when Biden was right or vice. He was using the wrong hand to sign his executive orders and executive actions. I even looked at the body language and discovered when Jill was with the real Joe, they were arm in arm, hand in hand. She would be just beaming, just beaming. And he'd have this shit-eating grin on his face all the time. Now, when she's with this other guy, they're not even, you know, touching Mm. Uh, she looks kind of grim as though they're going to be found out. He's not smiling. I mean, this is a total fraud. Now, there are reasons why if you take a look at a close-up on the ear, they may have built in some kind of earpiece and thereby extended his ear. But I made this argument about the body double for many, many months. I, I submitted it many, many places sought to get it to people like, Sidney Powell and others who were, you know, on the inside group, and nothing ever came of it. But there's no question about what this man is completely mentally befuddled. He's incompetent. The best I can do is to refer back to when Barack Obama was asked years ago if he would like to serve a third term. And he said, well, you know, if he wouldn't, but if someone were there as it were a puppet and he could call the strings, you know, the shots behind the scene, he'd like that. And I believe we have something like that. There's some who suggest Susan Rice is actually the one who is doing the day-to-day -day direction of the Biden, the Joe Biden figure, persona, whoever the hell he is. I've heard that. I've heard the Susan Rice theory. I remember that interview where Obama was like, yeah, you know, if I could just sit off in the shadows and just run things off secretly, I'd, yeah, I'd do that. And that's, well, sure. I mean, isn't that what happens with the presidency anyways? I mean, everybody up there is just a puppet to begin with. 
Yeah, well, I don't think... well, the, go ahead. Yeah, but the fact is Obama wasn't entitled. I mean, you know, it, they have they have a monument in Kenya to the first Kenyan president of the United States not realizing there cannot be a Kenyan president of the United States, <laughs> right. and yet that's what we got with Obama. I did research when the birth issue came up. I had an expert on one of my shows. I've had about nine, ten radio shows. And this guy, we went to the Hawaiian birth certificate. It was completely fake. It had layers and layers of photoshopping. I discovered there were two Kenyan birth certificates, one of which was an obvious fake. And they, they did that for the reason, if any question ever arose about his Kenyan birth certificate, they could say, oh, yeah, that's been debunked trading on the equivocation because there are two of them, the other of which shows his little footprint. Mm. And I'm convinced is the actual authentic birth certificate of Barack Obama. We also have lots of other indications as to why he sealed his educational records when he became president, including an ID from Columbia University identifying him as a foreign student blandly right there on the student ID. So he sought to shut all that down at exactly the time when every little kid in America wanted to study the life story of the first black president of the United States. Hmm. Mr. Fetzer, is it possible that uh, Barack Obama was actually Frank Marshall Davis's uh, son and not this, uh, the, the Kenyan uh, Obama? Uh, I, I, I won't say it, it isn't possible. I, I would like to have done more on that very specific issue because I've heard that raised before and I think it's a highly plausible he, he's a creature of the CIA any way you want to cut it. And of course, Michelle. Right. Absolutely. Michelle was born. Michael LeVon Robinson played football for Oregon State before <laughs> transferring to Princeton and adopting a female persona as Michelle Robinson. Oh, uh, she, no. she, oh yeah. She I didn't know the football most part. women do not have. Oh, yeah. We have photographs of her when uh, after she was president where her beard is growing, and, <laughs> yes. you know, we've even discovered the real parents of the kids, because two men obviously cannot have children, and the older girl looks just like her father, the younger mm -hmm. just like her mother. That's the couple well, the, they go on the, vacation with all the time. I can't remember the, the names, but uh, the parents go on vacation with the Obamas and their kids, so it's a yeah, family vacation. Doesn't that make perfect sense when you understand? Right. The more shocking is that if you looked at the contents of the Hunter Biden laptop, Oh, it turns out that Barack Obama had given the girls a, a little dog, and, and you see Hunter lying on bed with two young women on the bed with him and the little dog. And I'm really sorry to say it appears to be the Obama girls. And, of course, they would have met him when he was— Well, here's a question you know. for you about that. Since uh, Dogbot—we didn't even have to do it. He did it for us. Um, since Michelle's a man, what about the theory that Malia is also a man? Melania. Or, no, no, not Melania Trump. Malia Obama. Oh, the, Malia the, Obama. The oldest yeah. daughter that looks a no. lot like her father, but if her father had a boy instead of a girl. No, I, no, I think they're both girls. Okay. It would certainly be confirmed by, you know, Hunter appear to be having them both. I mean, well, you know, I mean, it's these the yeah, people yeah. at this level. I know they're perverted yeah. and they'll have boys and yeah. those girls. And, yeah. you know, and that appears to be how... John Roberts, our chief justice, was ensnared as Elwin Wood reported. You know, mm -hmm. when when the Supreme Court refused to take the Texas lawsuit, which was as beautifully as artfully crafted as the lawsuit could possibly have been, demonstrating how the four key states of Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Georgia had violated their own laws 
for electoral process when the Supreme Court declined to take it, it was obvious something was very, very wrong. And it appears, and he's been very explicit about it, and his attorney himself deals with defamation, he would not have made these assertions about Roberts being compromised. He was, of course, his name appears on the flight log of the Lolita Express for Jeffrey Epstein. Sure. And there appears to be a whole lot more going on there. I also am inclined to believe, by the way, that Justice Scalia was, in fact, murdered on that ranch out in uh, Absolutely. Texas, that obscure, yeah, obscure location. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, you get two different stories. One, he was too strong of a conservative on the First and Second Amendment, so they had to get rid of him. But the other, that in addition, he was also a pedophile himself. And they arranged for him to be taken out by a young teenage boy he was mm. having well, sex with. I think Scalia was definitely, he was definitely a part of everything, but I think he had served his usefulness and he was pushing out things that were kind of beyond what they wanted. He, uh, they were done with him at that point. And, you know, they, they train these people to push out these uh, geopolitical views for a very, very long time. They, they groom these people to be in these positions. And as soon as they're done with them, they don't tell them. They just get rid of them, right? Yeah, well, it appears to have been a very, very nasty case. It wasn't even an autopsy or a, a right. burial. He was cremated to get rid of the body. I mean, that's the best way to get dispose of the evidence. Well, well, a, we need someone of his judicial philosophy, however, a strong proponent of the First and the Second Amendment. And it's not at all obvious that the three uh, Trump appointees are actually going to fulfill expectations of conservatives. So while we nominally have a six to three division, conservative versus liberal, which is, of course, why they want to expand the court by the number four. So you could have a seven to six Democrat majority on the court. I believe it's not going to happen, but it won't be lack of trying. That it's unclear whether Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Bryant, or, you know, whether the, the the Trump appointees are actually going to prove to be conservative or not. I don't. Speaking I, speaking of the Trump appointees, uh, what do you think of the compelling evidence that Brett Kavanaugh played his own accuser uh, as some form of humiliation ritual in order to become a member of the Supreme Court? Have you seen any of the side-by-side -side pictures of... Look, uh, the, I, 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 I've edited a book as yet unpublished on the Kavanaugh case. I thought he was totally a victim. They had these absurd reports of these women who are clearly lying, fabricating. I mean, just, it was disgusting. All my sympathies were with Kavanaugh. I thought that Susan Collins of Maine distinguished herself in one of the finest speeches ever given on the floor of the United States Senate in defense of... Brett Kavanaugh, I was in awe. That speech will resound in the annals of fame for senators. That was one of the most courageous, intelligent, and well-reasoned pieces I've ever heard from any United States senator. Hmm. All right. Well, there we go with that. All right. Um, Kavanaugh, uh, Supreme Court, where we... <laughs> We were talking about we were talking about uh, President Biden. Um, so you, you're saying that you, that you've called out that there have been body doubles. Um, what about the what about like the green screen stuff, like the microphone stuff, his head disappearing? 
Kamala Harris going up to uh, going up a set of stairs that are clearly not attached to any airplanes. Uh, this, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. These are like there's these guys are like of, on been, sets. There's been a lot of there's been a lot of fraud and fakery uh, since the phony inauguration, and I was watching that and paying a great deal of attention to the clock, and I was struck that the inauguration was taking place ten or fifteen minutes too early. In other words. It was taking place in the last minutes of the Trump administration, which meant was not legal and binding. We know it was uh, prepared in advance. I mean, it was a video mm. production that was then broadcast. I have a colleague who was switching channels and finding different parts of the inauguration were being broadcast at the same time on different channels, which obviously would have been impossible had it been a live event. We had a woman in pink and a woman in white. Now they're over here. Now they're over there. But they've not moved. There's been no opportunity. Jill's shoes turned from blue to beige to blue. I mean, it's just ridiculous. And there's a spectacular fireworks display at the end, which no one in Washington witnessed. In other words, the whole thing was a complete sham. Hmm. Thereafter, we had the anomaly that... Uh, Biden would be walking past a Marine sentry and he would blurt out, salute the Marine. In other words, he was being told by through his earpiece to salute the Marine. Right. But because he's cognitively incompetent, instead he just blurted out, salute the Marine. What was more striking was the Marine did not salute him. And this indicates to me that he wasn't recognized as the commander in chief by the American military. I still have doubts about whether he is to this day. We had other instances where he wasn't being treated as though he were president by the military guard. So they, they contrived the case where he was supposed to be taking off an Air Force One at an obscure airport. I think it may have been in New Jersey. And there were two uniformed officers or personnel who saluted him as he climbed the stairs to what did not appear to be Air Force One. They were saluting, but they were firemen. They were firemen. He also appears to have been uh, blocked from going onto the Pentagon grounds, so they created an elaborate entourage, some 25 vehicles, to travel over to the Pentagon to visit the visitor center where anyone can go, whether you're president or not. So there are a lot of signs here something's terribly wrong. I'm aghast that they have this guy, Lloyd Austin, as Secretary of Defense, who wants to go after extremism in the military. I mean, this is absurd <laughs> beyond belief. Uh, anyone who's patriotic enough to join the military when it's an all-voluntary unit is, if that's a form of extremism, then we should all be extremists. Right. But he's, he's enlisting the assistance of the ADL and the Southern Poverty Law Center to go after these extremists, well, even, even Islamic activists, Mind you, this is attempting to gut the American military. I'm sorry to say, but it appears to me there's an agenda here to destroy the United States economically, politically, uh, militarily, and, and Biden and Harris are, you know, the frontmen for the whole operation. That sounds exactly like what's going on. Um, there has been an economic bioweapon uh, unleashed on the United States uh, shopping mall of America, that happened. We, you know, we didn't get to talk to you about this. Uh, what do you think? What was you know? What was your take on the whole COVID operation? That's part of oh, this. God, That's part it's of a, this. It's a monster scam. Yeah, look, I mean, I've done many programs on COVID. I've mm -hmm. actually been doing daily reports for over a year now. 
originally seven days a week, now five days a week, every single day about the latest news developments, including on COVID. My very first lengthy presentation on COVID, which you can find at jimtheconspiracyguy.com, it was my very first presentation in May of, of last year, I cited the mortality tables in 15 European countries that showed no increase, even though there was supposed to be a rampant pandemic there. I looked at those at the suggestion of Oli Domagard, whom I regard as the leading expert on false flags in the world today. He is so good he can predict where the next one is going to take place based on clues left behind. He, Nick Kohlerstrom, and I are probably the three who are most involved in doing these uh, exposés about false flags. But the fact is that uh, the pandemic appears to be a completely fabricated event. The problem is going to be the vaccine. They try to create a kind of uh, health panic so that you're going to rush to get the vaccination where the vaccination is going to do lethal damage. I mean, let me give you a couple pointers here. Uh, we have Sherry Tenpenny, who's one of the very responsible physicians who done her homework, who reported that. These mRNA vaccines, the Pfizer and the Moderna, uh, are perfectly designed killing machines. We also have a fellow named Luc Montagnier, a French virologist among the most honored in the whole world, who's a Nobel Prize winner, declaring that there is no hope for any who receive the vaccination, that they're all going to be dead within two years. And it has a devastating effect on the body. I can probably pull up an exact statement for him and share it with you here because it's profoundly disturbing. And I say this, I have five dear relatives who've already taken the vax. My closest friend here in Madison has taken the vax. Here's what Luke, L-U-C, Montagnier, M-O-N-T-A-G-N-I-E-R, French virologist and joint Nobel Prize recipient says, there is no hope and no possible treatment for them, those who have received these vaccinations. We must be prepared to incinerate the bodies. All of them, all of them will die within two years. They will all die from antibody-dependent enhancement. Nothing more can be said. So th this, in my opinion, is tragic. I don't want anyone to take my word for it. Like Bill Gates, I am not an MD. I'm a PH. He is not. I'm not an e epidemiologist. I'm not a virologist. I can just tell you I've been devoting myself to research on this subject, and I'm sorry to say. I mean, it's tragic, but what he is reporting here appears to be true. Mm -hmm. Now, yeah, it's, it's Jim. Or go ahead, Reinhardt. Oh, um, I just wanted to ask. So uh, we've talked a lot on the show recently about uh, the question of this vaccine. A lot of people are propagating that it is like the biblical mark of the beast. Um, my position and a lot of us, you know, that listen are that it's not the mark of the beast, you know, it's not damning you to hell, but it is a kind of a primer uh, situation. It's getting you ready for the society that it's going to bring along with it, with the, like the transhumanist agenda, um, even goes into Pro Project Bluebeam and the alien deception of, you know, something coming down and bringing us knowledge that, uh, that we don't have currently. Um, just on the idea of the vaccine, what do you think this is? Do you think that this is something that is a precursor to the transhumanist post-human agenda? 
And, or, or do you think this is just going to stop it, you know, killing people? Is this going to be the thing that ends it all? Or are we, or I, do we have something coming? I, I would separate the issues. Now, like most uh, professional philosophers, and I offer courses in logic, critical thinking, and scientific reasoning for 35 years at a wide range of colleges and universities, uh, I do not believe in God, nor do I believe in the non-existence of God. These are claims that cannot be proven. And if you adhere to what is known as the ethics of belief, advocated by the British philosopher William Clifford, namely, that it's always and everywhere immoral to believe anything for which you do not have sufficient evidence, then... Obviously, I could not consistent with that be either an atheist or a theist, because neither the existence nor the non-existence of God is amenable to proof. And, of course, it would be obvious if you think about it. Uh, science, observation, measurement, experiment is limited to space-time. The classic conception of God we're dealing with here is a transcendent entity beyond space-time and therefore beyond the scope of scientific inquiry. This, of course, is not contested or disputed by any rabbi or priest or minister, all of whom are going to acknowledge that belief in God is an article of faith. And articles of faith are things you believe, even though you lack sufficient evidence. So uh, count me as a, a non-believer, but strictly as an agnostic who doesn't take a stand. Therefore, this business about the mark of the beast and so forth which is very biblical, the 666 and all that, is not something that I find very plausible, though I understand why those who are committed to a theological view of the universe might view it that way. What I believe is evident. We have uh, an operation going on here where the world elite, and we're talking about a few thousand who want to control the entire planet Earth, have embarked upon a very aggressive agenda that's going to enable them to take control of virtually all the property and assets of the earth. That, that is the objective. They're calling it the Great Reset. Uh, Klaus Schwab, who's the head of the World Economic Forum, has talked very openly about it and how the coronavirus pandemic affords an opportunity to reorganize how society operates and functions. They're going to offer to pay off all your mortgages, your your credit card debt, and your student debt if you, in turn, agree to surrender all your property and assets and adhere to a regimen of vaccinations. If you resist the vaccination, they're going to isolate you in a FEMA camp as a public health menace. And if you continue to resist, I predict they're going to separate your head from your body, maybe made using guillotines made, guess where, China. <laughs> which are already here in the United States in super abundance. So, you know, look, we got Deagle.com projecting that the U.S. population between 2020, when it was approximately 330 million, and 2025, when originally they were predicting it would drop to 99 million, they've now gone further and said it will only be 65 million by oh. 2025. In less than five years, in other words, we're going to lose about 225 million of our fellow citizens. So look around. Uh, you know, two out of three of those you have known and been familiar with on the average are not going to be here in just a couple of years. And I believe they are well embarked on that agenda now. 
All this COVID business was planned years in advance. Mm-hmm. We even had Anthony Tony the Rat Fauci, whom I consider to go down in history as the greatest mass murderer of all time, who'll be responsible for more death and devastation around the world than all of our foreign enemies combined, Adolf Hitler, Joseph Stalin, Emperor Hirohito, pile them on, they won't do what Fauci is doing to America. In 2017, he predicted that the Trump administration would be hit with a surprise pandemic. Not only the seasonal flu and HIV AIDS, where he played a major role in that seeming scandal as well. Right. But, and just to give you an illustration of how they're running up the numbers, last year there were 38 million cases of flu, 38 million cases, not deaths, cases. This year there were only 2,000. Do you think we lost uh, 37,998,000 uh, cases of flu, uh, you know, just mysteriously, miraculously disappeared? No. As John Rappaport and Edward Henry, among others, have pointed out, they simply reclassify people who have normal diseases as though they were COVID. So if Anthony Fauci in 2017 could predict a surprise pandemic, the number one, how can it be a surprise since he's predicting it in 2017 and number two, since he's the official in the administration who designated to prepare us for pandemics, why were we not prepared? You never get into the issues of how Fauci is financially constrained, the internet work between World Health Organization, CDC, Bill mm-hmm. Gates, Imperial College, they're all tied together financially and in other ways. And uh, doctors and hospitals are even being given a bonus for every patient they admit that they claim to be COVID and everyone they put on a ventilator. Right. It's disgusting. Right. It's a humongous scam. And it's big long, pharma, big pharma, of course, yeah. eager to suppress cheap and readily available uh, 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 solutions to the problem, such as HCQ, hydroxychloroquine. And if ivermectin, which actually have been now used recently in India to cope with a surging problem they had there, they seem to have quelled it using HUQ and ivermectin, which we're being told by figures like Anthony Fauci again, even though he knows better, because in 2005, the journal Virology, published by the National Institute of Health, had a marvelous article about how HCQ was a wonder drug regarding the SARS the first SARS virus, where this is supposed to be SARS-CoV-2, a variation, and that it would not only prevent it if you didn't have it, but cure it if you did. So it was like a wonder drug. The problem for big pharma is it's cheap, readily available, and virtually 100% effective. doesn't add any money to their deep pockets. So they're making staggering sums off of these vaccines. It's a product like soft drinks. You, you, sure. know, I, you may have pondered how Coke and Pepsi are able to afford all these commercials marketing their product. Well, the profit margin is so staggering, it might cost a nickel to produce a can of Coke, but they sell it for a buck. It's similar to the vaccines. They cost pennies to make, but they market them for big bucks, and they want to get us on a vaccine regimen, boosters, second shot, third shot. I mean, it's just an unbelievable future if they are able to succeed in implementing it. Yeah. Well, you said they make a lot of money off these vaccines. How do they do that if they're free? No, 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 no. They're being paid for. The government. <laughs> I know, I know. I was, I was yeah, being facetious. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing free about any of this. Right. Well, yeah, about Dr. The, tax, the taxpayers being taken for a ride, just as Fauci gave $3.7 million 
to the Wuhan lab to do this gain-of-function research, sure. which is only now belatedly acknowledging might have been the source. Yeah, they here the parties insisted it was natural when there was nothing natural about it. In fact, the whole thing appears to be a gigantic fraud. Just, it is. just to give you further evidence, I mentioned the mortality not increasing in the European countries, even though there's supposed mm. to be a surging pandemic. A study slipped through Johns Hopkins, which generally is apologists for the government, indicating that in no age group were the deaths increasing this year over the past years. That's been reinforced by the fact that oxygen tanks, which would be needed to deal with these respiratory problems if they were actually filling the hospitals, have not increased in sales. IVs and stands and drips have not increased. You even got a actuary, a guy who's an expert in mathematical modeling for the insurance industry, explaining that your insurance premium this year are exactly the same as they were last, which indicates there's no pandemic, no increase right. in people dying. It's all a humongous fraud. Well, the evidence of a pandemic is usually, you know, literally people dying in the streets. They only, you know, showed us that in those fake videos from, from China originally. Um, real quick, back India. to India. Well, it's India now. Now it's India. You know, they're, they're right. Bollywood. But even those are from 2017. Right. Exactly. It's another phony fake. It's, it's all fake. Uh, back to Fauci. Um, he was right. involved. You said he was involved in the AIDS thing. He's also quite involved in India in the past, too. So he well, going down and Bill, his, and Bill Gates as well. You know, and I mean, yeah, right. And Bill is, Gates, uh, another mass there murderer. Are war, there are warrants for Bill Gates arrest in India. They use a, <laughs> India had no polio problem. And somehow Gates talked about using a, a Gates vaccine and it wound up paralyzing 500,000 Indian girls. Right. Right, I, now, remember, I remember reading about that. That's terrible. The ingredients of the vaccine and decided that Gates was a complete scam. By the way, there's a very important anti-fertility or sterility ingredient in all these vaccines. Mm -hmm. And it turns, right. out that, it turns out that women who themselves haven't been vaccinated, if they're in the company of persons who have, suffer an abnormal percentage of miscarriages, stillbirth, Blood clotting and the like, where blood clotting appears to be one of the primary like mechanisms. The shedding. That's the viral yeah, shedding and the vaccine shedding. These vaccines, yeah. Um, so the shedding, now you, you actually, so, so our opinion is that this is like Schrodinger's vaccine. Like the, the side effects are also happening, but they're also not happening. You know what I mean? Like they're doing the fear porn on both sides. They're showing... The uh, the conspiracy people, the people who who, who uh, you know are like, well, you know, the vaccine's killing people. Uh, they're showing us, you know, the guy got the vaccine, and the next day he's all blown up with you know blisters, and his eyes are swollen shut, and one person, you know, and then the blood clots and the miscarriages. And I'm not saying that's not happening, but they're they're pushing that agenda towards this side of the spectrum, and then on the people that are getting the vaccine, you know, they're the, they're they're. You've got, you know, people dancing and doing uh, TikTok videos where they're, you know, so proud and singing about their vaccines and everything's fine. And, you know, and, and there's um, all kinds of big blue check marks talking about how they had their vaccine and they're fine. Uh, so there's there's like a there's a there's a propaganda push on both sides, I think. Well, I think you've got a mix that some of them are just being given a saline solution. So they feel fine. Mm. They're going to be okay. I mean, I'll be delighted if it turns out that the five of my dear relatives who've taken the shot did not actually get, but they told me right. they got Moderna or they got Pfizer. Well, those are devastating. Those are terrible. 
And, you know, the whole thing is a gigantic scam. Blood clotting does appear to be a primary mechanism mm -hmm. that what they have done is to, uh, it's like you turned on a protein producer in your DNA and you can't shut it off. And among the effects are the production of prions, which you may know are responsible for mad cow disease by eating holes in the brains of cows. So right. we're going to have an epidemic of mad man disease as a variation. And, uh, uh, you know, AstraZeneca has been withdrawn. Uh, maybe even in the UK, several countries have withdrawn AstraZeneca because of a blood clotting problem. In Russia, they undertook the autopsy of a COVID patient contrary to the advice of the WHO, right? Let us not actually bother to find out what's really killing these people, says the World Health Organization. And you know, of course, they want to protect our health. And the Russians discovered they died from blood clotting. So they had 14,000 patients they put on an aspirin regimen and were able to send home the same day. Interesting. That's incredible. Yeah. That's, I mean, absolutely insane to me. Um, Dr. Fetzer, have you, have you seen uh, recently something came out? Uh, unfortunately, it was with uh, Tucker Carlson. Um, you know, we know, oddly enough, I mean, I like it Tucker. Was, I think he's the one guy who's actually been doing a good job on these issues. Now, Tucker's a little naive when it comes to conspiracies. I think he may still believe Lee Oswald was the lone gunman. And that 19 <laughs> Islamic terrorists hit New York City on 9-11. Right. On these, well, issues, to. on these issues, on Fauci and all this other, he's very, very good. He's been doing some sensational shows. I mean, well, honestly, yes, honestly, honestly, I... I've got the TV silence right behind me, but I'm, Tucker's show is on. Normally, the one show I do not miss is Tucker Carlson. So. Nice. Well, it's, it's funny yeah. you mentioned Tucker and Fauci there. Um, so I saw something recently on Tucker's show that uh, he had a guy on who was talking about uh, Dr. Fauci's connections uh, with the NIAID and their study that they did with the university in Pennsylvania. I think it was the University of Pittsburgh, actually. Um where they used aborted uh, fetal cells, aborted baby scalps, uh, in a, a, uh, a laboratory experiment with mice to yeah. show how aborted cells and aborted skin could help, you know, regrow these mice uh, in whatever situation they were in. I don't, I don't know exactly what these mice were infected with, but they were supposed to die at some point. They were, they were on the deathbed, um, and they were regrowing these things. And not only did Fauci fund this, um, they've used it in experiments beyond this funding. And, of course, then we have Fauci talking uh, very recently in the last two days. I want to say it was maybe NF MSNBC um, mentioning, admitting that he was working with Chinese communists over the past couple of years. Um, he, of course, did the Stephen or the uh, Stephen Paddock's brother. What was his name? Eric? Mm-hmm. What was his brother? Well, there was Eric two. Yeah. There was Eric Where's and then there was... Which was Compt? That was Eric. It, it was his brother that slipped out that his brother was like a child trap. I mean, something else. You know, he did the same uh, thing. Uh, 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 Fauci said that I, we were working with Chinese cop. I mean, Chinese scientists. Um, hmm. With everything that we've seen from this Dr. Fauci, I mean, you you even said you believe that he's worse than Hitler, Stalin, any other mass murderer in history. Well, put put together. Yeah. Well, wait a second, Reinhardt. For I more death. You forgot the oh, best John. part about you forgot the best part about Dr. Fauci is he looks just like his mom, who also had a lot to do. Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa, right? 
Well, look, they talk about Saint Saint Fauci and all that. Yeah, he's a POS. I mean, he's just a monster, <laughs> just a despicable human being. He's the highest paid uh, member of the executive branch of the government, therefore of the entire government. He's the highest paid, and he's done the most damage to America. Yes, yes. Rand Paul went after him. He's admitted, yeah, maybe it was indeed created in a lab. This is contradicting everything he said before. There have been calls for his resignation. He deserves something far more serious than to resign his position in government. But, you know, it's just uh, pitiful that you have this guy in such an influential position for such a period of time that he could be the point man in bringing about massive death and devastation to the United States and ultimately to the whole world. Well, that just shows you how absolutely fake and gay and, and against our people this, this government and these elites are, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it's let me, just, This man is the, the most paid virologist dealer of death <laughs> in America and the known world. One of these many ironies about the situation, but that's how they were able to capitalize and deceive so many, uh, uh, such a large percentage of the American public. Who's that, you know, want to believe the government is there to protect us, to preserve us, to nurture us. The idea the government could actually be administering a program that's going to result in two out of three of our fellow Americans is something that is unimaginable to most Americans. And, and for good reason. They're spending so much time working just to keep a roof over the head, food on their table. They take their sound bites. If they hear the same thing on CNN, MSNBC, and read it in the local paper, they assume it's true as though it came from three independent sources. When it's all being orchestrated, ultimately you get up to the Rothschilds who own the AP and Reuters. So there's really one source of distribution of news that predominates in America, which is why they're so upset with the Internet. The Internet has provided an alternative source where during the golden age, before all this massive censorship by Google, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and all, Americans actually could do serious research on the Internet because everything was out there, and you could sort it all out. Now, there are those who think, yeah, well, there's a lot of bad stuff on the Internet, but the point is at that time, there was everything, everything everyone had to say, and and that meant you had to argue it. Uh, Sir Carl Popper, the great British philosopher of science, advocated, you know, rational discourse and debate is the most effective instrument for discovering the truth. He also advocated falsificationism, which is to say, if you want to tell whether or not a theory or hypothesis is true, then do your best to refute it. Because if it is true, you'll be unsuccessful and your attempts to refute it will fail. But if you fail in some efforts, that doesn't mean it's true. It just means you may not have figured out yet how to falsify it. It may still be false. If you adopt that, that approach to the assassination of JFK, 9-11, Sandy Hook, the Boston bombing, they fall apart so fast it would make your head spin. And that's what I do. I specialize in bringing together groups of experts to sort them out and determine the difference between the hypotheses that are well-founded and those that are not were a crucial aspect is sorting out the authentic evidence from the fabricated. The government is very big in the business of fabricating evidence. And, you know, it happens to face a Democratic Party that made this an area of specialization. Uh, all the phony polls that Hillary was going to win, there wasn't even a point in Trump supporters turning out in 2016. We had one rig poll after another. I actually 
had access to some private communications of pollsters about how they were going to deliberately oversample Democrats, women, and self-described liberals and progressive to guarantee they got the right outcome. They were photoshopping campaign events. Trump would be in Boca Raton drawing 30,000, Hillary in St. Petersburg drawing 300, and they would alter the photos to make it look as though Hillary's crowd was comparable to Trump's, which was absurd. It's like this claim that, that Biden and Harris won Arizona by some 10,000 votes. Arizona is a very strong gun control state, very red state, when in fact, just as a, a, an illustration of the, the fraud there, Kamala Harris and Joe Biden made a joint appearance just a few weeks before the election in Phoenix, Arizona, and local reporters were embarrassed to have to report Nobody came. Zero. Nobody turned out to see Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. It appears that Trump actually won Arizona by a million instead of losing to Biden by 10,000. <laughs> well, yeah, that that makes sense. I mean, that just kind of this whole thing with the election being obviously blatantly rigged and then you being told that it wasn't and, you know, just go back about your business and don't forget to wear your mask. That's right. Don't forget to wear That's your mask. Right. And, you're, and you're going to be censored and castigated if you raise the question, even though we went four years nonstop right. of the right. Democrats insisting Trump wasn't legitimate because the Russians had hacked and stolen the election for him, which was complete and utter rubbish. I even published a book about it, uh, it, it exposing the Russia hoax. There was never any evidence to substantiate it. The fact is, it was made up by uh, John Podesta, Hillary's campaign manager, after she lost, uh, to try to you know apologize for the in-up campaign they'd run. They actually thought Trump would be a weak candidate, but because he was an outsider and because he was bringing a fresh perspective and because he was well-known to the public, he cleaned her clock. I mean, it was uh, rural voters who turned out for Trump in mass that they hadn't anticipated mm. they gave the election to Trump. Plus... They wanted to obfuscate Hillary's own involvement with Russia, where don't forget, as Secretary of State, she sold off 20% of U.S. uranium oh, to yeah. Russia. For, uranium one, uh, I remember that. Yeah. That was huge. For, uh, well, you don't think... Uh, well, you don't... $145 million donation to the Clinton Foundation. Right. And John, John Podesta himself and Hillary both deeply involved with Pizzagate. And mark my word, Pizzagate. This child abuse is a bona fide phenomenon. Uh, among the contents of the Anthony Weiner laptop that actually made its way out of the public was an email about how Barack Obama spent $65,000 in taxpayer money flying hot dogs and pizza from Chicago That's to right. the White House for a private party. And it, you ponder this and you say, well, what's going on there? The White House will not accept food from outside sources to preclude the potential poisoning. If this was real hot dog and real pizzas, they'd be soggy and edible by the time they got to Washington. It's an absurd idea on its face until you learn that in pedo speak, hot dogs are little boys and pizza little girls. Oh, yeah. So that Barack Obama actually flew little boys and girls in from Chicago for a private party at the White House at the taxpayer expense to the tune of $65,000. Yeah, that's, that's, but that's kind of semi-common knowledge that these... These elite uh, 
presidents and you know heads of state and governors and uh, senators and justices are all they're all pedos now. A few years ago, you'd say to you'd say to somebody, "Oh man, you know that you know that politician so and so? Yeah, you know he takes money from there." Oh well, yeah, of course they all take money. Well, now you say to somebody, "Well, you know this guy he he likes little he, he likes little kids," and now everybody goes, "Yeah, well you know they all like little kids." It, it's like it's people are being conditioned to see this as a, like normal behavior for heads of state. Well, not, they're going much further than that. They now have, you know, uh, little kids being taught about gay sex. I oh, mean, absolutely. I'm talking about children oh, and, yeah. and the idea that they can choose their sex and that the men versus women is not a real distinction, but a social construction as the races are supposed to be a social construction. And this critical race theory, they're implicating the idea that whites are inherently supremacist they're they're appealing it, biden and harris have even incorporated this into their stimulus uh, programs to recover from the pandemic where they're giving out farm aid to individuals on the basis of their race and their gender where we have lawsuits that are emerging in fact we had a federal court judge now just to put a halt to it on the ground that the uh, plaintiff who was suing that this was unconstitutional, that he wasn't going to get a grant, even though he was properly qualified because he was a white man, would win in a court of law. So he, he put a hold on the Biden program. There's going to be a lot of that. Mm. All the laws that historically have protected blacks from discrimination are equally applicable to whites. And the Democrats are such zealots and so blind in their ideology that they can't even recognize that what they're doing is gross discrimination. It's undemocratic and un-American. I, I cannot it, believe, I'm just appalled that the Democratic Party has become a party of tyranny and despotism. If the, if the courts and the lawyer systems are packed with anti-white zealots, then what is to stop? Uh, what is to stop these laws from being used against whites? Like, what? Why would whites be granted the same civil rights as uh, as black as the laws were written for blacks? Well, you're absolutely right. I mean, if the judicial system is just as corrupt as the Democratic Party, then we're at a great disadvantage. Uh, typically, the problem occurs between the time they implement one of these unconstitutional programs and the time it works its way through the courts, usually to the Supreme Court to declare it unconstitutional, all the damage is taking place in the middle. Meanwhile, Biden is hemorrhaging uh, at the border and flying uh, immigrants at the dead of night on planes all across the country. They're clearly intent on changing the demographics of the United States. And they're claiming it's somehow racism to object to this obvious open border policy. And yet economists historically have all agreed. I mean, there's no debate here that you cannot have a welfare state that provides these fundamental necessities of life with open borders because it's unsustainable. And some of the leading critics happen to be Zionists, Israelis and Jews but in Israel, they don't allow Palestinians into Israel. They know the Palestinians reproduce at a more rapid rate. They claim it's going to change the character of the Jewish state, so they won't allow it. But if you speak up on behalf of America and say the same thing's going to happen to America, they not only won't oppose it, they encourage it. They encourage it. In fact, I have video 
of, a, of a, one of these caravans of refugees, these migrants allegedly walking thousands of miles to the border. It's all total bullshit. They're being brought in by convoys and trucks, and on the door of the trucks, you can see the Star of David. Oh, yeah. It's all Jewish NGOs. It's the uh, the Barbara Specter speech about changing the demographics of Europe. It's the Kalergi plan. All this stuff is happening. Yeah. Um, it is it is the white replacement theory. It's white the white genocide theory. Uh, this stuff is real. We all I mean we see it. We yeah, all know this. this is, these are the precursors to South Africa. This is taking place before our very eyes. Before mm -hmm. our very eyes, this is happening here and now in the United States. Yep, yeah. it's we've said it before. This is a communist takeover of the United States of America out in the open, uh, color full on color revolution. Um, all the signs of a Bolshevik takeover, just like they just haven't, they just haven't started the public massacres yet. Yeah. I think that's, I think that historically that parallel is actually well-founded. I mean, mm -hmm. I used to think that was an exaggeration. Well, it's the same people in I charge. Mean, the, De the democratic party has gone whole socialist communists and their, their policies are precisely as you describe. It's outrageous. And, and Americans, I only hope they'll wake up before it's too late. Well, Mind you, they're going to use the January 6th intrusion, which was orchestrated by Nancy Pelosi, to disrupt the discussion of voter fraud. That's what was going on. They hadn't reached the point of counting the ballots. Mm -hmm. They were going to debate the election fraud. Uh, we even know the New York Times had to admit that the Capitol Police had been warned that it was going to be an attempt to invade the Capitol the day before, which eviscerates the incitement theory that Trump incited his people to disrupt. No one wanted more there to be discussion in Congress of, of election theft than Donald Trump. On mm -hmm. the other hand, no one wanted more that that should not take place in the Speaker of the House, who, it turns out, just happens to be in charge of the Capitol Police. And not only were they instructed to allow them in, but the Capitol is protected by massive doors held closed by powerful magnets. If they had wanted to keep the Capitol shut from these intruders, it would have been effortless to do so. I was absolutely, well, just... <clears throat> it was absolutely a gay op. They, there's the video of the cops. The video that just came out recently of the one cop telling the guys, well, look, as long as you guys are cool and don't break anything, you can stay. Like, well, they just gave us the yeah. latest, uh, the latest uh, cause of death for that officer Nick Sicknick, mm -hmm. right, or whatever his name, David Sicknick, uh, whatever yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. They yeah. said he had two strokes prior right. and right. died of natural causes. This is this is, I do believe, the sixth cause of death that I have seen since January sixth. Listen, man, um, he's he he's, he's really a cat. By a fire extinguisher, what bullshit! <laughs> right. <laughs> Death by fire extinguisher. That's a new one. Um, he's nope, the, then the he thing was Heather is, hired. Then he was heart attack. Then right. it was you know he was fat. Now he's had two strokes and died of natural causes. It's pretty yeah, bad. Yeah, his his wife was out there encouraging there be an invest investigation, but the idea of the investigation was to drag it out until twenty twenty two because they could use it as an issue against the Republicans and even to twenty twenty four if they could. Yeah, happily. The Republicans have defeated it in the Senate. It appears as though there will be no January 6th commission. What and let me tell you, the fellow they had in mind to conduct it, Philip Zelikow. Oh, yes. Was the, was the executive director of the 9-11 commission. Did you know Philip Zelikow had completed a draft of the 
9-11 Commission report a year before it shared it with any member of the staff. It didn't require any investigation. He knew the score because, and I am convinced of this, he wrote the script for 9-11. His position in the academy, he was a professor before he entered the government, was the the creation and maintenance of public myths, M-Y-T-H-S. That was Philip Zelikow's area of expertise. Perfect man for the 9-11 Commission, and then as a sequel for the January 6th Commission. Well, there you go. Because, yeah, the very well, the first commission, everybody remembers the Warren Commission was absolutely fake and gay. Then the 9-11 Commission was as redacted as as you could possibly get and see yeah, having him Zelikow. That's everybody's favorite Zionist. We we've talked quite a bit about Mr. Philip Zelikow when we talked about Good, good, good. Yeah, Lyndon C. He was the mastermind. It was Lyndon who put all the pieces together. You had all these powerful groups who want JFK out, including mm. the CIA. He was threatening to shatter it to a thousand pieces. The Joint Chiefs were upset with Jack. He had not invaded Cuba against their unanimous recommendation. He'd gone ahead and signed an above-ground test ban treaty with the Soviet Union against their unanimous opposition. He'd ordered that all of our forces in Vietnam should be out by the end of 1964, where the chiefs felt a stand had to be taken against expansion of international godless communism. It was all nonsense. The Vietnamese were fiercely nationalistic. They were not stooges of China. They hated the Chinese, right. so that, that was never a real issue. Then the mob was upset, of course, because Bobby was cracking down on organized crime with more indictments and convictions than ever before in history. We had the anti-Castro Cubans in Fury because they believed Jack had betrayed them at the Bay of Pigs. He had not, but the CIA let them maintain that false belief. Hmm. You had the Eastern establishment surrounding the Fed because Jack had already instructed the Department of Treasury to rip hundreds of millions of United States notes, which were not interest drawing on the ground that it was absurd to have a private consortium of banks publish a currency of the United States on which we would have to pay interest. Hmm. And by the way, it's the interest on that interest that is responsible for most of the national debt we hear about so often. The Texas oilmen were very unhappy because Jack was planning to cut the oil depletion allowance, an enormous tax write-off they got on the ground that they were pumping oil out of the ground, putting themselves out of business because oil was supposed to be a finite resource. And Israel was unhappy. Uh, The first prime minister and also a founder of Israel, David Ben-Gurion, wanted to develop nuclear weapons. Jack was opposed to that. He didn't want to set off a nuclear arms race. And guess what I have discovered? It appears that each of those groups that were sponsored put up their own hitman. They put up their own hitman. So I've identified six by name, rank, and serial. One's an Air Force officer. Mm -hmm. One's a deputy sheriff for Dallas. Uh, One was a CIA guy. Uh, One was Lyndon Johnson's personal hitman. Another was an anti-Castro Cuban. We have yet another identified by Oleg Domagard, with whom I agree appears to have been the Israeli hitman. There's one yet unidentified. There were eight different shooters in Dealey Plaza. Which one was was Woody Harrelson's dad? Lee Lee Harvey Oswald. Which one was Woody Harrelson's dad? He didn't didn't shoot. Charles Harrelson was there. He was one of the three tramps. They were backup pansies. You had Charles Rogers in the first, also known as Frenchie, then Charles Harrelson. The second, the tallest, and the third was Chauncey Marvin Holt. 
whom I got to know personally, by the way, by coincidence. He actually prepared 15 sets of Ford Secret Service credentials for use in and around Dealey Plaza, and some of the shooters uh, used them uh, to deflect uh, police when they were responding, uh, going up to the grassy knoll. Nice. Well... You got to know one. Of, that's that's actually very cool that you got to know one of the guys that was involved with that operation because it was that was a very intricate operation, JFK. Listen, Jim, we are at the end of an hour. We're going to take a real quick break. Listen to the Sleaford mods, and we'll be back. Everybody up, especially the me first, waiting to jump. Midnight snipers, prowling the shopping center whilst it's quiet. Whilst the flower man sets up, bragging about the money he's got. The pay bourgeoisie with his new van and fucking planting pots. Brown plastic, the man always acts fantastic. Tesco extra and a real bad cough. The stinks of microwave rice with beef stroganoff. The struggling words, swivel serving. The struggling words, swivel serving. The war torn liner on the toilet floor and the way the decorators make blends it all in. We are caged trying to pick preferences out the unlucky bin. Strangers grunt and make a mess near the fucking sink. Took my shirt in trunk from too much washing. 20 quid you get what you give. And I'm not talking about that twat either. The wind blows on the favoured who managed to grease the eager machine either beaver. The struggling words, swivel servant. The struggling words, swivel servant. Adjust my tie. I hate this lie. The struggling words, swivel servant. I can't see it. Ranges from pick your nose and do something else to. I just can't fucking believe it. Can't you like it? I can't you like it? The club of Rome holds two grapes and they belong to me, mate. I got the option to cycle and get fit, get the bus, taxi, walk it, roundabouts, cogs, block, RDT, for some twat on a fixed. Everybody looks like they got it. The struggling words, swivel servant. The struggling words, swivel servant. Adjust my tie, I hate this lie. The struggling words, swivel servant. Adjust my tie, I hate this lie. Adjust my tie, I hate this lie. Adjust my tie, I hate this lie. The struggling words. everybody we are back this is still the paranormies i am still johnny monoxide with reinhardt dogbot and jack we're here with dr jim fetzer man the first hour as amazing as as always uh it's all it's always awesome to have you on the show dr fetzer what were you saying uh right there at the end of the break that we wanted to jump back in well we were talking about, saying, well, during the break, we were talking about Michelle Obama being a dude. Right, yeah. right, right, right. I have quite a bit of photographic evidence about that, including, you know, 
her playing football at Oregon State and uh, a photograph of uh, her and Barack with what looks like a young Bill Gates and she's perfectly mannish, you know, flat chested, short hair, obviously a man. Uh, then we have all the other photographs uh, where it, it turns out that uh, a doctor who was assigned to her during the campaign walked in on her in a trailer in Trenton taking a leak standing up. And he said he was paid a fortune for his silence, but given what they've done to the country, he can remain quiet no longer, sue him if they want. Explain that Michelle Obama is not a man who underwent a sex change. Michelle Obama is a man with breast implants and a huge shaving bill. <laughs> that, that does make sense. I mean, looking at Michelle Obama, he's got them big linebacker but, shoulders and all that stuff. Yeah, let, let me tell you more, yeah. I mean, uh, so I've got a presentation about Michelle uh, and her identity in a, in a piece I did. Uh, you can find fake news issues of identity where I talk about how we've been able to prove Lee Oswald was in the doorway of the Texas School Book Depository when the JFK motorcade passed by, which meant he not only could not have been the lone gunman, but he could not have been one of the shooters. I have also an extensive presentation of how we have been able to establish that Paul McCartney died apparently in an automobile accident on 9-11 of 1966 and was replaced by an even better musician who's taller, has different teeth, different palate. I mean, I'm telling you, a couple of Italian forensic scientists set off to disprove the hypothesis. They thought it was the same guy, and they wound up proving the opposite. Then I have a series about body doubles used by Hillary and by Joe Biden. Would you believe Hillary has used six or eight body doubles? It began after she fainted at that 9-11 memorial, and they rather mm. ceremoniously threw her into a an ambulance masquerading it as an SUV. They took her back to Chelsea's apartment. This was a new apartment. Chelsea already had a spectacular apartment, didn't need a new one, but they bought this because on the floor was a private hospital. So they shut down the hospital so it had only one patient, Hillary Clinton. They took her back, but they became worried that if she didn't make an appearance that the public would get concerned about her health. So they sent out a body double who is younger, thinner, much more attractive, uh, no secret service. Uh, no, uh, they, they, Hillary actually had a guy with several degrees in neurology who was constantly with her. He wasn't with her. She was very pleasant, totally unlike Hillary, uh, such that even USA Today would pick up that the internet thinks Hillary has a body double. She looked so much like her, reminded me of one of my favorite actresses. I refer to her as the Meg Ryan double. Then just a couple days later on a flight to Charlotte, North Carolina, they had a different body double, shorter, with a much more sloped forehead, who reminded me quite a bit of Meryl Streep. So I refer to her as a Meryl Streep double, but during the campaign, during the debate with both Bernie Sanders and with Donald Trump, they use a third, yet another body double, who is the best of the lot, younger, healthier, much more attractive. They have a, developed a voice box that gives you exactly the same voice. So it was Hillary Clinton's voice, but it was not Hillary Clinton's body. I mean, imagine doing that during a national debate. Yeah. Uh, later, after the, she lost the election, the New York Times did a story about Hillary in the House. This was like in February of 2017. 
And they had photographs of Hillary attending four different plays on Broadway. And I wrote to the author and said, you know, that was a very interesting story, but none of those women was Hillary. Then, of course, Biden, you know, used a body double with Trump at the first uh, and second debates. Uh, mm. But I also then have a section on uh, Michelle Obama and who she really is, uh, and, you know, her male persona, which include a lot of these photographs. And, of course, Joan Rivers explaining when she was asked, will we ever have a gay president? She said, oh, we already do with Obama. Everyone knows it. And, uh, and of course, Michelle is a tranny. We all know it. But she didn't actually have a sex change. She simply adopted a female persona. So as it were, Michelle is like a drag queen in the White House. The drag queen. You know, the most disturbing part about that whole thing you just said was when you said an attractive Hillary Clinton and even more attractive Hillary Clinton. I just found. I don't. I don't care for Hillary. I'm joking. Stop joking, Doctor Fetzer. I'm joking. Things you know, Hillary is truly disgusting human being. So even though historically I had regarded myself as a JFK FDR Democrat because I believe in the social safety network, social security, Medicare, Medicaid, unemployment insurance, weapons compensation, I usually voted Democrat. Uh, But, you know, in some of those cases, like with Bill Clinton and with uh, Barack Obama, I mean, look at the opposition. I couldn't vote for John McCain or my God, I mean, you know, Mitt Romney, these are really repulsive persons. And when Trump came on the scene, I thought it was a breath of fresh air. I was very pleased to support Donald Trump. And of course, I knew too much about Hillary. I have a quite an extensive piece on Pizzagate, by the way, the American franchise of Pedogate, mm-hmm. uh, at jimtheconspiracyguy.com. But brace yourself if you watch it. You're going to need a strong stomach. It may cause you considerable nausea and sleepless nights. Yeah, we we did a we did a lot of stuff on Pizzagate when that first came out. We were still allowed on YouTube at that point and our Pizzagate episode had cracked the 100,000 views um, b- before we got shut down. We did a we did a, we did a couple Excellent. That's very good. I commend you for that. That's just terrific. We did a couple Holocaust uh, episodes and that got that got us good. Yeah. Good. And of course, I, I have a Holocaust episode up there too. No. And I have an article you can find online. Nick Kohlerstrom, who's just this great iconoclast, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. he's a historian of science. He lost his position at University College uh, at, at, at the University of London uh, because he published on the use of. Uh, 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 Zyklon B is a disinfectant. They were actually using it to kill body lice to maintain the health of the inmates. Right. Because those were not extermination centers. They were labor camps, and you can't get work out of a corpse. So right. they published a completely brilliant book called Breaking the Spell. He invited me to write the introduction, and I published it also as an independent piece. It's entitled The Holocaust Narrative, Politics, Trump, Science. And you can find it online. Uh, the government rag, by the way, a very good publication, has an excellent version for those who are looking for it. In just a few pages, I take apart the whole Holocaust narrative. It's just astonishing it's how very simple. it fell apart. It's very simple to take apart. It really is. Uh, there are other, there's other uh, shows out there that have done autistically detailed debunking of the Holocaust, like annoyingly, painstakingly, boringly take apart yeah, I, the Holocaust. I you can do that all day. I, you can I do that all day. About six, six or eight pages. Of yeah. It. I mean, you can not. do it. 
It's it's a very easily summed up very quickly, you know, and and it's not that hard, it, guys. Yeah, it's not that it's hard. It's not that hard, right? Well, um, that's why they that's why they suppress it. So right. They can't allow anyone to talk about. Well, that's why can't talk about the election. That's what I wanted to ask you. Okay, so yeah. Since they're doing all this stuff and they're putting all this fakery out there, right? You know, and you said that they're making up all these fake stories and a lot of this stuff is filmed on sets and whatever. Why does it seem, it seems that either they don't care about people finding out that the stuff that they're showing us is fake or they actually believe that people believe what they see on TV is real. You know what I mean? Like, because we, or is it just that we're just so good at seeing things that we're like, that is so clearly obviously fake. How does the rest of the world not see that? Do you know what I'm trying to well, say? It's, it's what, it's what uh, sometimes is called mind control, otherwise propaganda. Television is the most powerful instrument of propaganda ever devised by the hand of man. Most people believe most of what they see on TV. They believe it. And the fact is that those who are capable of critical thinking of actually exercising due diligence, doing research about any of these controversial issues when they're being supported by the authority of the U.S. government, most, uh, most Americans are incapable of doing that. They used to worry. They used to worry that some people were going to figure out what actually happened, but now they don't care. Even though we have figured out what happened, JFK, 9-11, Wellstone, Sandy Hook, Boston bombing, they don't care because most people cannot believe it. Mm. So they just become uh, absolutely blatant about it. They don't care anymore. They yeah. don't care. Now, I guess I guess you're right. It's it's just one of those things where they they know they're going to get away with it. And yeah, it's human. It's social psychology. Well, and it's the people the that do of, say power of, uh, of of collective belief, you right. know, and the Chomsky, who I am critical of severely on multiple grounds, including his dismissive attitude about conspiracy in the case of JFK, or that anything was wrong with the official narrative of 9-11, and you could find two short takes, Fetzer on Chomsky on the internet. One's about 12 minutes, and what's wonderful about it is each time I attribute something to Chomsky that I'm criticizing, it goes to show Chomsky saying exactly what I said he said. And the other is more elaborate. It goes into his work on the nature of language and mind, because Chomsky actually got it all backwards. Language is basically a pragmatic phenomenon involving interaction between people. Semantics is formed as a model of what the words people use in their exchanges mean or stand for, where syntax is a late arrival. When you have so many words or concepts, you have to have ways to organize them to maintain coherent communication. So syntax is the last element arriving in relation to language. Chomsky poses as though there's an innate in syntax in every human mind. And it's, it, it's a thesis that swept the intellectual world at the time, but it's frankly, it's simply absurd once you delve into it, on which I published quite a lot. Yeah, you, you do. You've published quite a, quite a bit. And you still do. Now, your radio shows, do you still do those? How often? I'm doing 11 every week. 11 a week now. Good yeah. Lord. Good Lord. Plus, plus of course, interviews right. like this. Plus interviews like this. On and top I, of that. I usually, I mean, I'm having three or four addition to the 11 this week. So this week will probably be 15. Good Lord. Um, you're very, very busy, sir. Thank you for making but, time but, to come. Most of which, by the way, are two-hour shows like this one now. Yeah. Golly. 
Uh, but thank you for making time to come hang out with us. I really, really appreciate it. Well, it's my great pleasure. See, one of the benefits I have in doing conspiracy research is that there are very few academicians who will do it. I mean, I, I was drawn into it. I was simply, this is back in 1992, I was simply lying in bed drinking a cup of coffee watching a paper and my wife said, you won't believe this, and flipped on the TV. And there was this very distinguished-looking man behind the lectern with the logo of the American Medical Association. It turned out to be George Lundberg, who is the editor-in-chief of the Journal of the American Medical Association, who is extolling the virtues of interviews done with a Bethesda pathologist, James Humes and T. Thornton Boswell, and attacking everyone that I knew had ever done serious research, Mark Lane, you know, Harold Weisberg, others, including uh, Oliver Stone's film, JFK, which he was describing as docu-fiction, and while I knew it was flawed, it's also the most accurate, complete, and comprehensive presentation of what happened, actually happened in Dealey Plaza on 22 November 1963, ever presented to the public uh, by the mass media, and attacking a fellow named Charles Crenshaw, who'd been a physician at Parkland. So I was very disturbed by this. It convinced me that if somebody of this level of confidence where I myself already had a great deal of editorial experience. I had 10 years as an associate editor of Synthes, a very famous international journal for epistemology, methodology, and the philosophy of science. I would found an international journal, Minds and Machines, for, for uh, uh, artificial intelligence, philosophy, and cognitive science. And I've been on many editorial boards. It was just obvious to me that if this guy was going to abuse his position for political purposes, perhaps some of us with special background and ability ought to become involved. And I followed then what happened with the journal and discovered a letter to the editor complaining about the abuse of the journal. He would subsequently resign from the AMA. I reached out to him and invited to collaborate with me on a long article, a short book. His name is David W. Mantic, MD, PhD. He has a PhD in physics from Wisconsin, MD from Michigan, board certified in radiation oncology, which is a treatment of cancer using x-ray therapy. So he's an expert in the interpretation of x-rays, far more qualified than the average radiologist. And he had secured permission from the Kennedy family through their legal representative, Burke Marshall, then a professor emeritus at the Yale School of Law to enter the National Archives which he did for the first time at the end of 1992, where we had a conversation before he went in telling me he thought he'd discovered both evidence of a second shot to the head and that the x-rays had been altered. He, in fact, discovered both. They had patched an area at the back of the head where there was a massive blowout, a fist-sized blowout from a shot fired from in front. And he did indeed discover this distribution of metallic particles from a second shot to the head. So David and I became, became the core of a research group brought in a world authority on the human brain, Dr. Bob Livingston, who is also an expert on wound ballistics, having supervised an emergency medical hospital for injured Okinawas and Japanese prisoners of war during the Battle of Okinawa, Charles Crenshaw, the very fellow that, that uh, Lundberg had been attacking joined so that when I published my first book, beginning what would become a whole series of books of collaborative research where I bring together the best experts, of which I have now 12, uh, we put it together and just blew apart the cover-up. Bob Livingston noticed that the 
the brain shown in diagrams and photographs in the National Archives isn't even the brain of JFK. They substituted someone else's brain. We began a research project studying the whole movies, including the Zapruder discovery. It's been massively edited. There are more frames missing from the Zapruder than you have present and present current uh, 487 frames. In other words, about mm -hmm. 500 frames have been taken out. When a limo came to, from Houston turning on to Elm, the driver, William Greer, mistook the frontage road in front of the book depository for Elm Street and swung out too widely, nearly hit a concrete abutment, had to hesitate to get back in line. Well, that would have shaken the confidence of the American people and the Secret Service's ability to protect the president, where, in fact, I've discovered 15 indications of how the Secret Service set him up for the hit and then covered it up. And then further down, after he'd been hit twice, once in the back, five and a half inches below the collar, just to the right of the spinal column, a shallow shot fired from the top of the county records building and hit in the throat by a shot fired from inside the triple underpass that passed through the windshield, but he was still alive. The driver was signaled, it appears, by someone usually referred to as the cube and giving this fist to halt. He pulled the limit to the left to, be, to make sure Jack would be killed, and he was hit. Twice in the head, once from behind from the Dow Taxi slump for Jack eased him up, was looking him right in the face when he was hit in the right temple by, by a bullet fired from the intersection of the triple underpass and the picket fence. And David Dow believes there was a third shot to the head so that if you were to go online now on Amazon, you'd find his e-book about uh, uh, the JFK head wounds, a final analysis, where he invited me to write the preface. Uh, and, you know, I'm just telling you, this is great stuff. And when you understand uh, uh, factors such as those I've described as part of the cover-up, you realize how many of the theories about the case hold no water. Uh, the, the mafia, for example, could not have extended its reach into Bethesda Naval Hospital to alter x-rays under the control of medical officers of the U.S. Navy and the agents of the Secret Service, the KGB, could not have substituted another brain for that of JFK, anti-Castro-Cubans, or pro-Castro-Cubans for that matter, couldn't have <laughs> got their hands on the Zapruder film to alter it, which was done, by the way, in a secret CIA lab called Hawkeye Works adjacent to Kodak headquarters in Rochester, New York. One of those who defends the authenticity of film, a fellow named Josiah Thompson, whom I used to admire, argued that it was impossible because we have the chain of custody, meaning it was in the hands of the Secret Service, begging the question that, of course, the Secret Service were complicit. So, of course, they had access to the film because they were part of the whole operation. I mean, it's just outrageous. So that Robert Groden and Josiah Thompson, who many esteem as among the leading members of the JFK research community, are both limited hangouts intended to defeat serious research on the assassination. They both insist to this day, in spite of massive evidence to the contrary, that the Zapruder film is authentic, when in fact it actually had around a thousand frames. Larry Rivera has done the most brilliant work. He recovered an interview that has been done with the four motorcycle escort officers and their supervisor, Stavis Ellis, and discovered all the events that occurred after the limousine was brought to a halt uh, Officer uh, Baker, who was on the left rear, dismounted his bike, ran between the vehicles up to the grassy knoll from which he believed shots had been fired. Officer Douglas Jackson on the opposite side motored his bike up on the grassy knoll, 
we have photographs where you can see the, the, the dents in the grass caused by the motorcycle to fill over and he pursued on foot. Five agents dismounted the Cadillac, the Secret Service Cadillac called the Queen Mary, surrounded the presidential limo. One took a chunk of skull from a little boy and threw it into the back seat. I used to think the limo stop was six or eight seconds, but I've been unable to reconcile all those activities with less than 20. In fact, the motorcycle, the whole thing took off to the parkland while Officer Baker was still returning. So we have photographs of him walking across this, you know, Elm Street mm -hmm. to get his bike, which is still parked there. I mean, it's just astounding. So if anyone wants to see it, my take, an overview, you can go out to BitChute. Look, where I did two, two shows with Brian Rue. I've actually done more, but these two are particularly important. Brian Rue, R-U-H-E, a JFK who was responsible in why, and a second with Brian Rue, 9-11, who was responsible in why, I founded Scholars for 9-11 Truth in December of 2005, by the way, and the organization just took off like a rocket. We brought together experts from all over the world. So I, I've now published four books on JFK, the three in the original trilogy that blew apart the cover-up, Assassination Science 1998, Murder in Dealey Plaza 2000, which many believe is the best book ever published on the assassination for its balance and scientific rigor and the third, The Great Zapruder Film Hoax. And then I published a more recent in 2017, JFK, Who, How, and Why, where we had new evidence about Lee Oswald having been in the doorway about the limo stop and all that that I included. Mm. Or no less, no less a figure than Vincent Bugliosi, the celebrated prosecutor from Southern California, ah, Charlie yes. Manson, uh, acknowledged in this massive 1,500-page Toomey wrote to defend the Warren Commission that mine were the only exclusively scientific books ever published on the assassination of JFK. Oh, Bugliosi said that about you? Yeah, that's right, his book. Wow. Good Lord. Is, Johnny, okay. you know him. Yeah, I know, yes, I know Bugliosi from uh, Helter Skelter. Oh, one, of my, one of my favorite photographs, and you can see it, if you go to jimtheconspiracyguy.com, and I think they're trying to block access, so it may be easier said than done is a photograph where I'm having dinner with, with Jesse Ventura and Vince Bugliosi and me. And it's just a wonderful Oh, man. Photograph. No way. That would have been the coolest dinner table to have just been sitting there and listening. That was great. That's amazing. Oh, wow. That's I'm so jealous. Awesome, actually. I've got to, I got to go look for that for our show art, actually. Yeah. yeah it might have to be on there. I can also send it to you separately. But look. Could uh, you? That'd be awesome. Je Jesse and I got along really well when he was governor. Mm -hmm. I was on the Duluth campus of the University of Minnesota. When Assassination Science came out, Jesse was absolutely taken with it. Mm -hmm. So he came up to Duluth to discuss this aquarium. It had been a public-private venture that wasn't doing very well. He had a one-hour show every Friday as governor. And he spent 15 minutes talking about the aquarium and 45 minutes talking with me about assassination science. <laughs> then when he had his uh, Jesse Ventura's America show, he featured Beverly Oliver, also known as the Babushka Lady, who'd been right there filming the assassination <laughs> toward the grassy knoll. Oh, right. And saw Jack's brains blown out. And Aubrey Wright, who's the ambulance driver, who felt the massive defect when he helped to raise the body, put it in the broad ceremonial casket before he drove it out to Air Force One, and, and me to explain how David Mandick had discovered how they covered up the blood to the back of the head. Then when Jesse, after serving as governor, had a visiting appointment at Harvard, 
uh, he brought me back to give a lecture, which I believe is the only JFK assassination conspiracy lecture ever presented at Harvard. And then later, when he had his uh, conspiracy theory show, he flew me out to Ventura County, California, which Jesse used to name himself, Jesse Ventura, to do a reconstruction of the shooting where he, he was a much better shot than Lee Oswald, who, who didn't, <laughs> barely, I could go through this and brought That sounds in, like in, Jesse. Honestly. I, I, yes. I, I was a, a Marine Corps officer and spent a year as a series commander with 15 DIs and 300 recruits under my command, taking them through the train cycle, including marksmanship training at the same range where Lee Oswald received his train. But I came out to make sure that Jesse's reenactment was done with the right angles and distances. We used bales of hay so it wasn't even moving targets. And Jesse had a far superior man liquor carcano. The one Lee had used was in such, allegedly used, was in such decrepit condition that experts wouldn't even fire it until it was disassembled and rebuilt. <laughs> so we did three We did three repetitions of Jesse firing three shots at stationary targets. And in the three repetitions of three shots, he scored one hit, one hit. And none of that was within the proper time frame. I was keeping the stopwatch. And then we just did one where Jesse just fired away to see if he could hit anything. It was just a clear demonstration that was a, a preposterous that Lee Oswald could have fired those shots, but as I said, he wasn't even the sixth floor window. He was actually in the doorway of the book depository when the motorcade passed by. Absolutely preposterous. That is, that is one of the most amazing JFK stories, versions of this story that I've heard ever. I did not know that. Johnny, I, I did not know that I, about the eighth shooter. Oh, yeah. Every time. Every, well, I mean, last time you were here, we did the bottle of red pills because we went through so many things so quickly. And I think we touched on it just briefly. That was a lot more into it. Reinhardt, what were you going to, you were going to ask me? Well, I was going to ask, uh, just, I was going to make one comment on just saying, I wish that the Gavrilo Princip situation that, you know, supposedly started the first world war would have had Dr. Mr. Jim Fetzer here because, uh, <laughs> Yes, Jim, you you've done incredible research. I mean, you have such an extensive background. I mean, I, I really do wish that you could have done well, this with uh, the shot heard around the world. The the thing that, that right. started the well, see, massacre I, 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 of an I, entire generation. I tried to convince my colleagues, you know, academicians, professional philosophers, especially to get engaged. But they won't do it. They won't come near it with a 10 foot pole several times. I submitted a draft of what I would eventually now publish in Noon's Review, What's Wrong with Conspiracy Theories, explaining how, as theories, they can be evaluated by the same criteria of adequacy as scientific theories, which include the clarity and precision of the language in which they are expressed, well illustrated by Elon Omar saying on 9-11 somebody did something. Well, that's just trivial. But if you get to the claim that there were 19 Islamic terrorists who commandeered four commercial carriers and mm -hmm. one crashed in Shanksville, another hit the Pentagon, and the other two, the Twin Towers, then you got a lot to work with. And you can adopt the Popperian methodology of falsification. No plane crashed in Shanksville. Uh, uh, no plane hit the Pentagon. It may have been an unmanned aerial vehicle firing a missile, but it was not a commercial carrier. And right. what, they, what they did in New York was an elaborate fabrication where there were witnesses who reported seeing what they thought 
what were real planes, particularly in the case of 175, where we have 52 videos, uh, and it, it looked to them like a real plane, but it was performing feats no real plane could do. For example, it's flying too fast at that altitude. Pilots mm -hmm. did a documentary called 9-11 Intercepted and explained that a real Boeing 767 at the speed alleged here in the videos and that would have come apart in the air, it would never have even made it to the, to the South Tower. And then right. you have the plane just melting into the South Tower. Would you believe that plane passes its entire length into the South Tower in the same number of frames it passes its entire length through air? Which yeah, is it's amazing. Right. It's a massive <laughs> steel and concrete building provides no more resistance to the trajectory of an aircraft in there than does air. Right. I mean, it turns into a lightsaber. All kinds of collision effects. It should have, it should have crumpled external mm -hmm. to the building. It was actually intersecting with eight different floors. Each of the floors was a steel truss connected to the core columns at one side and the external steel support columns the other, which were very massive and formidable, filled with four to eight inches of concrete because the building were 208 feet at a side. That means each floor was an acre of concrete on a steel truss. Now, we know what happens to a plane when it hits a little bird that weighs a few ounces. It can do enormous <laughs> damage. Well, imagine hitting one of these acres of concrete on a steel truss. I mean, it would have obliterated the plane. And the idea- imagine, I mean, imagine a paper plane hitting something like that. It would have crumpled. Right. Well, well, Mr. Mr. Fetzer, uh, do you think that the towers were built for the sole purpose of them to be demolished as some sort of giant, uh, basically a ritual uh, for them to initiate a certain aspect of their order? No, no, I don't. They, they, they were marvels of engineering. They were a tube within a tube design. You had the 47 massive core columns at the center, and then you had all this open space, and then the 230 external steel support columns. It was really a brilliant design. They were very robust. There's no way a plane crash could have had any significant effect upon them. Uh, very analogous to what happened, you know, the Empire State Building had an old... Uh, bomber crashing into mm -hmm. it. You saw half of the bomber sticking out of the, the building, but I mean, it wasn't seriously damaged. I mean, it was damage, but in the case of the North and the South Tower, they created the illusion of damage. It appears that there were Israeli art students, they were known as a gelatin group in both of the towers, and they had the run of the buildings, and they appear to have prepped the buildings to create those cookie-cutter-like cutouts that were supposed to be the image of a plane hitting the building. Those were not real impacts from real planes that didn't happen. In fact, pilots fall, uh, track both, two of the planes weren't even in the air that day. Flight 11, the North Tower wasn't in the air. Uh, Flight 77, Pentagon wasn't in the air. Uh, uh, pilots track Flight 93 and discovered that it was over Champaign-Urbana, Illinois, after it officially crashed in Shanksville, and also tracked Flight 175 which was over Harrisburg and Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, after it officially hit the South Tower, where I obtained registration data from the Federal Aviation Administration confirming that the planes, the physical aircraft used for that flight, and my, those flights, mind you, the same plane can be used today, Tampa to Chicago, tomorrow New York, to, to San Francisco. But the planes used for those two flights weren't even formally taken out of service until 28 September 2005, 
So how can planes that weren't even in the air crashed on 9-11 and how can planes that crashed on 9-11 have still been in the air four years later? The whole thing was an enormous fraud. In fact, uh, a half a dozen or more of these alleged suicide hijackers turned up alive and well the following day made contact with the press in the UK. And yet the FBI has never adjusted. They still have their list of 19. Even Mohammed Otto is supposed to be the leader. Father said how his son had called him the next day and was terrified because he had nothing to do with it. But that's, that's the way it is. Once the government commits itself to a lie, it's stuck with it. And, and That's a military thing. When you're wrong, stay wrong. That's what they do. That's and they, they, do. they do a good job, though, they're the best at with it. those lies. They're the best at it. They're, they're really good at and it. And, Johnny, up, it, you wanted to bring up one huge lie that's coming up supposedly this year. It's supposed to happen, actually, Monday of Is this year. Monday, June, they had a deadline for it. Yeah, the deadline for UFO disclosure. That has been... Uh, I know, Tucker, Tucker, your, your, favorite, you know, your favorite Fox show, Tucker talks about UFO disclosure a lot. He's brought up the U.S. military, the the Navy, Tic Tacs, the just recently was it yesterday, the day before yesterday, the round ball, the, the 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 spherical UFO was just the video was just released. What I want to know is how come this this is an aside. How come we can get 4K pictures of the moon, but the world's you know greatest navy can't get anything but like a 1930s blurry, shaky, pic of a uh, of of one of these UFOs? Why is that? Uh, only blurry of the UFOs. Well, a lot of the UFO stuff looks to me to be phony or fake, but I got to tell you, I was sent some video of little creatures that look, they're called greys that look to be bona fide extraterrestrials to me. Mm-hmm. Now, I haven't done sufficient research to be offering anything definitive about discovery, disclosure, and all that. There was okay. a time when I had a dozen books on UFOs, and mind you, that phrase, unidentified flying object, covers a whole host. It just means things we don't know what the hell they are. The question is, are any of these of extraterrestrial origin? And I've seen enough, like the report from Roswell and so forth, to convince me something funny has gone on that the government has been covering up. And it appears to me uh, they're finally going to start to come clean any time now. That's my impression. Okay. Well, that's the thing is now that the government is going to, quote, come clean, I don't trust the government. You don't trust the government. So why would I trust them to come clean about aliens this time or about anything this time? Well, yes, they, they just somehow, you know, I think Trump wanted this to be revealed. Mm-hmm. And uh, if they're going to reveal it, I mean, since it shows they've been lying for so long, I mean, it would be very contrary to their interest to the official line to now be refuting themselves. So I don't think they'd have any motive to do it unless it were true. Right. Although, although it is said that there may be a whole nother level of panic that now they want to claim there's going to be an alien invasion to further subjugate and control the masses. You know, if, if the well, cult uh, didn't work, there's a whole nother level of deception that mm-hmm. would be potentially available. There's always that's more the, layers. That's kind of the whole thing is it's not going to be necessarily some kind of invasion. It's going to be this benevolent group that will come down and, you know, of course, tell us that they are our progenitors, that, that they helped create us or did create us, that they have enlightened knowledge um, and technology that they can give us. 
uh, essentially, you know, being Promethean in a sort. Um, that's that's kind of the narrative with the whole alien deception project blue beam that's that's where a lot of our people are at mm. and i think people are wondering like why are why are they putting out this disclosure narrative when that's kind of that's where everyone is uh, are they going to try and and do the full blue beam story or are they going to do something else and relegate the blue beam deception promethean narrative to a conspiracy theory um, that's where I'm at, at least, is that it, that it is going to be a deception, a Promethean deception of some kind. Um, but what, what do you think? Maybe not, maybe not happening this summer, but at some point in the future. Um, well, I, 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 I apologize that I was just distracted. I, I, I've got a big shelf we've had to move because of Memorial Day. I mean, it's just one of those problems. I got distracted. Would you mind repeating the core of the message here? Sure. Um, so when we're talking about the the Project Bluebeam uh, alien deception, uh, a lot of our guys are of the mind that this alien encounter or invasion of sorts is going to be a Promethean narrative, some kind of bele- benevolent appearance of aliens that they will have uh, advanced technology, advanced uh, religion, and they will reveal themselves as kind of progenitors or creators. Um, and they're going to, you know, enlighten us in some way. And that will lead to, you know, if you, if you believe one side, it, our side, really, it's going to lead to incredible deception and death. Uh, if you believe the other side, it's going to be enlightenment. Um, as far as the apparent, you know, quote, disclosure that's supposed to be happening um, either next week or in the future of some kind. I mean, wh- what do you think about that? Well, I mean, I, I'm open-minded. You know, I I think it's ridiculous to doubt that there are forms of life elsewhere in the universe. I mean, the question would be, would they have ever bothered to come around to check us out? I think from Roswell and from this little video I've seen, which looked to me authentic, uh, that they probably have. What, we have lots of claims about having anti-gravity technology we acquired from the ETs, and some of the claims certainly suggest that we have the technology. It may have had extraterrestrial origins, but beyond that, I'm at a bit of a loss and disadvantage because I feel I just do not know enough to go further. I mean, I can mm. tell you in exquisite detail about JFK, 9-11, <laughs> Wellstone, Sandy Hook, the Boston bombing, and more. But when it comes to UFOs and ETs, that's not something right. about which I can claim to be an expert. Well, I have I have one that is tangentially connected. Um, you have a book called, and I suppose we didn't go to the moon either, which was a good stepping stone for a lot of us and a lot of our listeners here that got us into the moon hoax um, that's not a false flag. That's a full-on hoax, right? Yeah, that's uh, yeah. a full-blown hoax. Yeah. Right. That's um, the first one I read, too. Yeah. Good. Well, you know, I'll tell you, of all those books, that's my favorite. It has such a, <laughs> it has such a breadth of confidence. I come up with a second edition, by the way, and supplement it. I've got more essays on the Holocaust, and this is the best introduction of the Holocaust. If you wanted a short selection of six or eight essays about the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. You can't do better, which is why Amazon is banned. That well, we're going to have to get us a copy. Not, 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 not the content on the moon, but because it also has chapters on Paul Fall, Paul's death and replacement, 
and it's got chapters on the first death of Saddam Hussein. The guy was actually put on trial and hanged was a body double. And then uh, chapters about Osama bin Laden, who was actually our man in Afghanistan. He was actually an officer in the CIA. He had nothing to do with 9-11. It's all poppycock. And then the essays about uh, the Holocaust. So that's really a wonderful book. And Nick, Nick, in his Breaking the Spell, had this wonderful photograph that I put on the back cover with a heading, what, you didn't know there was a UK soccer team at Auschwitz? Yeah. There's so much yeah. stuff. There's so much stuff about the about the Holocaust that's hilarious. We did two episodes back in season two and three, I believe, and uh, some of the stories are just so funny. You read them out loud. When you read them out loud, they're hilarious. Like there's no. This sounds the Baron, like the, the Baron Eagle story. My girlfriend at the time mm. before we ever got married. Yeah, yep. the Baron Eagle story in the cage, the Baron Eagle in the cage story yes. is probably the uh, one that will always stick out to me as the biggest load oh of God. horseshit I've ever heard. Yeah. Oh no, for me, uh, you guys didn't even talk about it, but it was the uh, the shotgun into the hole in the wall story. The Tom and Jerry. Oh shotgun. yeah, like the, the Tom, Tom and Jerry. Jerry. Yes, yes, the Tom and Jerry that shotgun. One, that one got us big time, but but no, those two episodes really helped uh, help red pill my wife on the entire situation. Yeah. Um, but uh, Mr. Fetzer, I'll, I'll definitely check out that second edition because that I loved oh, yeah. the first edition. Loved it. Oh, yeah. and I can't gonna, wait to see those extra essays. You're get, yeah, you're going to love it. You're going to love it. It's really good. And I front loaded with some recent developments about the moon landing that just blow you away. Awesome. Love it. Awesome. Yeah, That's we did. We, we ended up uh, going down that moon landing rabbit hole and doing two episodes ourselves. With our friend uh, Alt Skull, um, and they were those were very very red pilling and angering too because the thing about the moon landing is finding out that it's a lie and finding out that you're um, you know these are like you can't take that away from me uh, taking it taking those things away from people really really hurts their feelings. Well, it was a it was a political stunt. I mean, Jack would never have gone along with it if he had realized that it was scientifically impossible. We didn't have the propulsion power to escape a uh, low earth orbit we didn't have the computing power to navigate we didn't have the communication capacity uh, i mean one of the absurdities of the whole matter is that we have correspondence you know communication between moon and earth which is 250,000 miles away and there's no time delay right it's like houston is talking to these astronauts in the next room uh, there's a they give us like three seconds yeah, there's a brilliant depiction of how it was done in this film called Capricorn One with Sam yes, Waddison right. and O.J. Simpson and Hal Holbrook and so forth well, about yeah. a purported mission to Mars where just as the astronauts are about to embark, they're, they're taken away and told there was a problem that on descent returning they would have died in the atmosphere, so they're having to fake it. And how they, they, they try to escape and tell the public, and there's an effort to kill all three of them. I mean, that's a wonderful movie, but the key pivotal point is they did all the transmission of the of the footage for the Mars mission through a single grainy television, and that's basically what they did for the moon landing. Yeah, was, no, no, yeah so that's some extra revelation of the method right there. Really? Yeah, yeah. Exactly, very much so. Exactly. Very now much so. That was Soviet, great. The Soviets, the Soviets had embarrassed the United States by launching Sputnik mm -hmm. as a first trans-Earth satellite, and 
you know, the declaration of what a man on the moon was to show America really was technically and scientifically well, superior. But we were not. We right. Had well, we, none of it was. And it was funny is, yeah, the United States went right to the triple dog dare. It had skipped the double dare, the double dog dare and the triple dare and went straight to the instead of putting people in our so We're going straight to the moon. They skipped a whole bunch of steps, you know. Supposed yeah, steps. one of the one of the absurdities, of course, is that NASA claims it destroyed all the technology That's that took us to the moon. Don Pettit. <laughs> Don Pettit is one of my favorite actors on television. Don Pettit, the guy from NASA. He uh, he is either playing retarded or he is he's actually retarded. That guy in his interviews where he where he talks about um, he's one of the science guys when they ask to describe what he does on the ISS. Like he doesn't have an actual title. Does he not have, you know, the, he sounds like he's a, um, like one of those really nice soft-spoken first grade teachers. You know, he shouldn't be the director of a space program. The guy, the, the guy who says that he'd go back to the moon in a nanosecond, but they lost, they just threw it away. They taped over. Oh, he, he's the guy who looks like he's a freaking fifth grade art teacher, doesn't he? Yeah. He's like the weird yes. kind of handsy looking glasses. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Not, not that the government doesn't throw away billions of valuable stuff every day, but that's such an absurd scenario. Oh, sure. <laughs> sure. What do you think? Um, have you seen the pictures of the, uh, the ISS swimming pool? And what do you think of that? Do you think the ISS is fake too? I am troubled. I have friends who think the ISS, the International Space Station, is a fantasy. I, I'm not prepared to take a stand on it. I'll just say it would not surprise me if it were. Okay. That's good enough, That's good enough for us here. Um, it's because well, some of the stuff I've seen, you know, there's a swimming pool this the size of like Las Vegas in the, the middle uh, of the desert that they, they have a huge building attached to it where supposedly it's like all green screen stuff. I've seen like all that, you know, it might be true. It might not be true. It might be made up for the Internet at this it point. Sounds, it sounds ridiculous. You'd have to transport a hell of a lot of water to have a swimming pool up there. And, you know. Right. I mean, all the elements involved make that a, a, a fantastic idea, in my opinion. Um, this is true. This is true. There's a lot of logistics involved in setting up something like that out in the desert. Um, Even in the desert. Right. You know? but, I mean, now, back to real quick, back to 9-11. You said that, of course, you know, we, we all know about the Israeli, uh, quote, art, you know, squad that was in the building. Uh, yeah. You now there's the theory on how the buildings were dustified. Uh, like completely vaporized other than a few steel studs yeah. at the bottom, the steel beams at the bottom. Um, your theory was that it was somehow a nuclear weapons. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't think there's any doubt about it. If you want to go to the latest discussion about nine 11, mm -hmm. check out that article of mine on UNS UNZ review entitled what's wrong with conspiracy theories, because mm -hmm. there's a group that are trying to defend the official narrative it's a, a very complicated matter about how it was done, but what you see externally is a building's blowing apart in every direction from the top down. Mm -hmm. That's inconsistent with a collapse. Right. You have all the floors remaining stationary until they're blown to kingdom come and the memorable phrase of Morgan Reynolds. That's inconsistent with a collapse. You have the buildings converted into millions of cubic yards of very fine dust. That's inconsistent with a collapse. You have no pile of debris, which ought to have been about 12% of the original 110 floors or 13 and a half floors of debris. That's inconsistent with a collapse. 
we have the U.S. Geological Survey studied samples of dust from 35 locations in lower Manhattan and finding elements that would not have been there had they not been, there's not been a nuclear event. Barium, strontium, lithium, lanthanum, tritium, some of which only exist in radioactive form. Gotcha. So that, you know, I mean, I could go on at great length. I, in fact, okay. have a book about it. America nuked on 9-11 compliments of the CIA, the neocons, in the Department of Defense and the Mossad. This was an Israeli op. Oh, absolutely. To justify U.S. forces entering the Middle East to take out the modern Arab states that served as a counterbalance to Israel's domination of the entire region and eventually to confront the Persian nation of Iran. That was the plan. Uh, 100%. We agree with you on that part. Um, the thing that I wanted to ask is in, what about the, the uh, doctor, what's her name, Judy? Judy Wood? Judy Wood and the directed energy weapons theory. Well, you can explain everything better with nukes than you can with direct okay. energy. I actually was the first to introduce Judy to the world on uh, 11 November 2005. I had her on my radio show, and I pioneered the use interaction of computer and the, and the radio because we'd go to her website and go through documents, records, photographs. I had Judy on 15 times, and nevertheless, she eventually... Uh, uh, would no longer uh, have anything to do with me when she came on with John Hutchison, who is alleged to have performed these amazing feats in his garage of levitating heavy metal pieces and the like, which I thought was a bit much. <laughs> so I asked him, I said, John, what is your background? Since this is an area of electromagnetism among the most complex in physics. And he said, well, I flunk crayons and coloring books. Judy thought that was hilarious, but I thought it was, you know, unresponsive. I just went on to other issues, but she wouldn't talk to me after that. When it, even when I, that was in like uh, 2008, when I organized the Vancouver hearings in 2012, I still invited Judy to speak, and John, John actually mm -hmm. accepted till Judy cut him off and told him no, he couldn't do it, because I believe in bringing together all points of view. It's only by rational dis debate and discussion of uh, the evidence and so forth in relation to alternative hypotheses, we can figure out what's more likely to be true. That is as absolutely correct. Yeah, you have to be able to look at all sides of every every situation, every story, get everybody's um, point of view in on it. Some of them are tainted. You got you to gotta figure out which parts are tainted, which parts aren't. You know, who has an agenda, yeah, who doesn't. And again, and again, as I say, you got to throw out the authentic evidence from the fake. Right. And, and these dust samples that the U.S. Geological Survey studied meant that the government's own evidence contradicted the government's official position. It, it was a nuclear event. Now, exactly how it was done has been a fascinating subject of discussion in this art of this article in Oon's Review, where there are now 950 comments. I mean, how many articles, you know, where there were nine? I mean, these are serious comments on this article. So I, yeah. I encourage everyone. There's I've actually a checked it. to exploit. Go to the in I think I have actually. Go to the review and check it out. Yes, I think I actually have that article but, pulled up on my phone. It's in my buried. It's buried in my. Right. 
It's buried in my long, long, long list of tabs that I have well, open that I never look at again. There are, in addition to the article, 950 comments. Okay, I'll go through the comments too, because I know <laughs> that in the comments, there's going to be links and stuff to look at that people are dropping links yeah. of information. Oh, yeah. This is, this, is whatnot. yeah. this is a real intellectual exercise. Yeah, I'm I have it right really here. Pleased. What's wrong with conspiracy on ons.com? I Yes, I've had, it, I've had this open since uh, the day it came out. Yeah, it's been up for a little over two weeks, I think. Mm -hmm. April 17th, yes. Yeah, there you go. 944 comments as of right this second. Yeah, the last one is one of mine. Richard Gage, who's the head of architects and engineers, wrote to me and Mark Hightower two days ago telling us he'd rediscovered an article by Kevin Ryan that was supposed to be a vindication for nanothermite. Well, Mark Hightower is a chemical engineer, and I published three articles in 2011 demonstrating that nanothermite can't possibly have been responsible. It only has the explosive force equal to one thirteenth of TNT, which is the international standard. In fact, that Copenhagen professor of chemistry, Neil Sherritt, calculated the amount of nanothermite it would have taken to blow up a twin tower was 29,000 metric tons. That's like filling the building with circus peanuts. I mean, it's an absurd theory. <laughs> yeah, that's... So Gage, Gage was right to say, oh, he wished he discovered this article by Kevin Ryan because it shows it settles the issue of whether nanothermite is explosive. And Mark wrote back to explain how I had interviewed him before that article even appeared and Mark had gone through the very sources that Gage was extolling and refuted it point by point by point. So he wrote back this wonderful letter to Gage, and I wrote a subsequent, and I combined the three. You can now find that exchange with Richard Gage right there on uh, what's wrong with conspiracy theories as the 944th comment. All right. Well, we're going to have to look at it up. Um, we finally get on to that. That was a lot of information tonight, as usual, Dr. Fetzer. Uh, we're coming up at the end of the second hour. Yeah, um, we are I'm gonna. Delighted. I'm delighted. I'm so glad you invited. Yeah, me if on. you don't mind, I'd like to have you on again every now and then just to come out and have an opinion on some of these new sure. things that are coming out. My pleasure. My pleasure. I'm I've... glad to do it. Awesome. I... Awesome. I have one. I have one last question. Sure. The Parkland shooting. Oh, they oh, sent the kids home at one o'clock. It was a holiday. They planned the event months in advance and justified it on the basis of Parkland, which was mm -hmm. only a couple weeks later. You have to have a permit issued 180 days in advance, six months in advance, to close any roadways in Washington, D.C. Uh, the sheriff wouldn't let the deputies go in because they had a fake shooter using a SIM gun. That's a fire-simulated ammunition made out of beeswax and laundry detergent. It, it won't penetrate the skin. It will create a well. But it's why you had the, the Miracle Girls of uh, uh, Maddie and Samantha walking around with Band-Aids on their AR-15 wounds. They were little bumps from a SIM gun. The whole thing was fraudulent. Uh, Debbie Wasserman was worried they were going to lose 11 seats in Florida because of the Imran Awan scandal in the House of Representatives where she let these Pakistanis spy on other Democrat and Republican congressmen under her guise, and uh, she wanted she had to distract something, and she enlisted the assistance of Rita Katz, who's a producer and Dancing with the Stars, to go about arranging all this, and the monster, you know, they had hundreds of events, hundreds of shirts and all that just weeks later. One commentator said to me, it takes longer 
to plan a cookie sale at a church than it did to plan the March for Our Lives in Washington, D.C. if it had been initiated by the Parkland shooting. Yeah, there's no way that could have happened organically at that quickly of amount of time. That short total, amount. Total, well, I have a book on it. Yes. Go to go to moonrockbooks.com. My books on my book on Sandy Hook has been banned. Banned. I'm going to hope to get out a redacted edition, but you can get my book on on uh, the Boston bombing, on uh, Charlottesville, on Parkland. Uh, uh, and, and on the moon landing are all there. So of the 12 books we published, Amazon has banned six. Unbelievably, so they you banned know six of our books. Orlando you know and Dallas. Orlando was a complete scam as well. The, the club was closed, had been closed for three years. That's when they repainted it from white to black. What no fuck? way. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Wait, what 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 the Dallas the Dallas uh the the John Brown gun club guy uh the that killed the officers? That, that was, was also that was also a sham. I had there in Dallas at the Crown Hotel, which is right next door to the scene where you had the wall and they exaggerated it. It was totally fraudulent. I take it apart in the book from Orlando to Dallas and beyond, all there at moonrockbooks.com. That's right. Now, supposedly the first uh the first criminal uh uh, that they had dispatched with a robot. Right, right, right. The, the whole thing was bullshit, I'm telling you. It's unbelievable how the government plays us again and again. That is why the work I do, and remember it's collaborative. I bring together groups of experts. In the case of Sandy Hook, 13 experts, including six current or retired PhD professors to take these cases apart. I do that again and again and again. All those books are edited by me bringing together groups of experts. None of solely authored. None of those books is solely authored. Go to Moonrock Books and check it out. Amazon won't let you have it, but we got them there waiting for you at moonrockbooks.com. There you go. Moonrockbooks.com. Awesome. We'll put the links in the show. Yeah, we definitely will drop those in the show. Um, we are going to have you on back real soon, Dr. Fetzer. Thank you for coming on, sir. My Thank great, you, sir. My great pleasure. Anytime. All right. That was awesome. Damn. All right. All right. Doc, Dr. Fetzer is back. No, we're still recording. We're still recording. I'm going to oh. edit out that little bit with Dr. Fetzer there in the middle. But uh, yeah, oh, we're okay. still recording. Dr. Fetzer is back. And that was uh, yet another full prescription, uh, full syringe, full of red vaccine microchips. Red-pilled max <laughs> vaccine microchips. Jesus. Red chips? Wow. A syringe full of red chips. Syringe full of red chips. I don't know. We'll think of it. We'll think of something. Uh, Jack, did you take any notes at all? Could you keep? Oh up? yeah, I <laughs> I tried my best. I broke my first keyboard, and my second keyboard's on its way out. Is so. it smoking? Is this second keyboard almost on fire? Yeah. All right. Well, we'll get yeah. we'll get you another keyboard. We'll get you another keyboard to replace is, the first is one. Somewhere, Sven is very very happy right now. It was somebody, a really good else, interview. I'm sorry? What'd you say, DB? <laughs> it, was a, it was a really good interview. Oh, Dr. Fetzer is always a great time to come on and just hang out and listen to a podcast. That was awesome. <laughs> that was awesome. That man. was really fun. Yeah, yeah every, I was a, I was a little bit... Had, I mean, he had great things to say, I mean, no matter what. Mm -hmm. I love, Like I said, I love having Dr. Fetzer on. Uh, he, he autographed the first... The first book that I have, the uh, Jack. Did you get that sent to the show? Was that you? I possibly. 
I don't know. It's I don't inscribed. Know, I, feel, I feel like before my time that I, I sent a lot of stuff. It's yeah. It's inscribed to the Paranormies. Doctor Fetzer signed it well before he ever even came on our show. So that was whoever sent it to us. I mean, that was really cool of them. And I don't have yeah, a copy of. I'd like to. I'd like to get a couple of those books. Oh, we're yeah. We'll, we'll definitely we'll definitely take care of books. But uh, I I also don't have a copy, a physical copy, and um, of Nobody Died at Sandy Hook. I missed out getting it in the early. Uh, when did they start that? Was it 2014 or 15 or something like that? But I have the PDF, which is good enough. Good enough. Man, I'm tired now just from listening to all that. <laughs> That was oh so much gosh. fun. That was so much fun. Yes, and instead of having, instead of having a creepy pasta uh, this evening, uh, Jack is going to read us a little bit of, and I suppose we didn't go to the moon either, from one Doctor Mister Jim Fetzer, and we uh, Reinhardt. You guys, I think this is one of the best ones yet. Actually, I listened to it beforehand, um, as I usually do, but this one applies to pretty much every episode we ever do. Right. And I think Fetzer said it very, very well. So, all right, um, we're gonna listen to that. And uh, oh yeah, don't forget while you're listening to this on Paranormies.com to leave comments on Paranormies.com. Leave comments on Paranormies.com, please. Go to Paranormies.com and leave a comment on can the episode. Can you go to Paranormies.com and leave a comment? I no, think you they can have go. to go to Paranormies.com and leave a comment. Well, wait, you don't. Paying. I think there's no paywall, right? You no. can just like go to paranormies.com and just like leave a comment after an episode. I believe you can also reply to other comments on paranormies.com, but in order to do that, you're going to have to go to paranormies.com and check out the comment section. So what comments that are there to reply to, right? Right. 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 Yeah. And while you're doing that, paranormies.com. While you're doing that at paranormies.com, pop over to the Telegram app and check us out at t.me slash the paranormies present uh you guys can be checked out at your respective pages such as uh dogbot uh you can find me in the chupacabra kennel t.me slash chupacabra underscore kennel for rants memes etc songs uh i'm gonna be better about posting break songs from episodes into uh the kennel if you you know want to get more interested in those bands, et cetera, et cetera. That's not a bad idea, actually. I'm sorry, Reinhardt. I just wanted to comment on that real quick. We should do that. How Jack posts the Necronormicon. Uh, we should we should probably post the pastas and, and, and the break songs. That way everybody has access to just that. Or no, you know what? Everybody should just listen to the episodes. <laughs> You know what? Or go to paranormies.com and download the episode themselves. And then and leave a comment. And then leave a comment. I don't think you could. I yeah. have to figure out how to get the download button to work on paranormies.com where they can leave messages. As of right now, you can only stream from paranormies.com. You can download at our Zencast direct download link that I post every week uh, with the R that's got the RSS attached to it. Okay, Reinhardt, you are at. Yeah, I'm t.me slash Nephilim Hour. Uh, join me on the mountain. And uh, I post not break songs or anything, but I do uh, throw some esoteric history stuff in there, uh, biblical history. Um, sometimes I'll do voice messages with Alt Skull or other people uh, detailing some content before it hits the show. Some don't give everything away. Um, so join me there. And if you're interested in history or any of that stuff, the occult, um, be very interested to hear some things that I have to say. Well, alrighty then. And Jack, you got two. 
Especially yes. his pronunciations. Oh, stop it. <laughs> Better than Johnny's. Whoosh. Uh, so you can find me at t.me slash Jackson Eternal Shitpost. And of course, you can find me at t.me slash Necronormicon. There you go. That's everybody's telegrams. That's our website, paranormies.com. Check out our t-shirts. After you're done leaving a comment on paranormies.com, go on over to dissidentapparel.com and check us out under allies. We're under the paranormies tab. Check out our shirts. We have several designs to choose from. They're all really cool. The shirts are great. The shirts are great quality. There was a few little hiccups at first, but our boy over there at Dissident Apparel has it hooked up. Those shirts are nice. And they have some awesome allies besides mm-hmm. us, too. Oh, for sure. Yes, definitely. I think they just added another one. That would be four or five total now. But yes, that website four. is growing. Yeah. yeah, which is great. You know, we have our own... Our guys selling our things using our payment processors. It's awesome. How about that? Build your own whatever. We're doing it. All right? We're doing it. All right. Well, what we are doing is we're going to get out of here, uh, and we are going to see you on Tuesday and Wednesday with the Nationalist Inquirer. See you later. Top travel makes you gay. Bill Gates tits. (laughs) Welcome to a special segment of the Necronormicon. Today I'll be reading from, and I suppose we didn't go to the moon either, by Dr. Jim Fetzer. There was a strong motive, even a patriotic one, to lie about Apollo 11. America wanted to win the famous space race. America doubted itself after all the losses in the Tet Offensive, the year after the Apollo 11 moon landing. How could over a thousand cities and towns in Vietnam be overrun by the enemy, and how could the enemy have kept such a massive operation so secret for so long? Landing men on the moon would certainly be expected to boost America's morale. The claim that we landed men on the moon as early as 1969 strikes me as somewhat like the claims that Bigfoot, the Loch Ness Monster, and Chupacabras existed, and even more like the much more prevalent belief in the second coming of Jesus, a claim that more than a billion believe. Don't these claims get less convincing with each passing day or year, when no further evidence arrives to convince us? Won't the case for Bigfoot, Nessie, and Chupacabras be weaker a hundred years from now if there is no better evidence than what we have now? Won't it be harder to convert intellectually a non-believer in the year 3018 to believe in the second coming of Christ if there is no better evidence for that than we have now? How about in 5018, or 10,018, or 100,018, or even further in the future? Isn't it just a matter of time before the argument and evidence for the reappearance of a mysterious creature or Christ wear too thin, stress too far into the future to have enough credence to convince an open-minded agnostic? Thanks everyone for listening to this special segment of the Necronormicon. If you have anything that you want me to read, submit them to jacktheintern1488 at protonmail.com. <laughs>